the pride of Limerick, a young man named Sean Sheehan. The MMA media, Don Graham McDonald. The severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot, and I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 124 of the Severe MMA podcast. It's bright and early here at about 2am in Ireland. My name is Sean Sheehan and with me, like every week, is the Mino Raiola of Irish MMA media, Graham McDonald. We're back for another huge week. We're going to get straight into UFC 213, the tough finale, Bama at the weekend. You'll see Glasgow next week. Gegard Mousasi's after signing with Bellator. We have a whole lot more things to talk about. Graham, how are things? Yeah, good, good. I was at a, I was at a wedding over the weekend in, in France and uh, only got a couple hours sleep in the, in the whole weekend and was very, very hungover the other day or yesterday, but I'm, I'm, I'm all right. I'm all right. <laughs> you're, you're basically in the situation I was in last week. Is the, has the fear, you, you're actually worse than me because you were in France. You just came back, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I got back tonight, and I'm bitten by loads and loads of mosquitoes as well, which is absolutely horrendous. Fucking, you get malaria next. Good weekend, anyway. You had enjoy France. Yeah, it was really, really good. Yeah, it was a great wedding. Um, yeah, it was really good crack, and uh, everything was brilliant except for the mosquitoes and the ridiculous hangover that I had. But uh, you just have to drink through these things, you know. That is a fact. Shout out as well, actually, to Owen Murphy. I forgot to give him a shout out last week. Shout out, Owen. Big fan of Severe and uh, Good man for pledge. All right, we're getting right into the fight. No time for small talk this week. Although we have a few questions about small talk at the end, so we'll get to them. But here we go. UFC 213. It was it, uh, like international fight week as a whole, I suppose. I know you were away for, for bits and pieces of it. You only caught up in it uh, recently. But it was, it was a bit disappointing, you know. The tough finale card was pretty bad until the top one or two fights UFC 213 not great either although there was some good finishes but the, the names you know up until the top three of the top four fights were pretty pretty low for you know the biggest card of the year a little bit a little bit disappointing I know you didn't watch it live but I suppose what was your take on kind of the week I know you were following it a little bit on Twitter and things were you was it disappointing I think people were kind of expecting it to be disappointing now was it well, to, to be honest I was actually a little bit better than I thought but I only watched it you know I didn't have to sit through all the you just told me which fights I needed to watch and I watched them just there um and I thought that obviously the the two main events were absolutely brilliant um mm-hmm. And um, I, 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 no, I, like, yeah, I, I didn't watch half of the or more than half of the fights though. So it's kind of like it's, it, you told me which fights I need to watch. So it's kind of a skewed perspective. And when you're not watching it live as well, it's obviously not when you know the results as well before you watch it live. It's obviously not as dramatic. You, you know, if there's a, a knee injury, you know that the knee doesn't go or whatever. You know that like you know you could yeah. do who won. So it's kind of it's kind of weird and it's unusual for me to watch a card like that. Like. Yeah, I was thinking that because I fell asleep like after a Curtis Blades fight, so I missed the Overeem Verdun fight, but I st- kind of stayed off line and I didn't see the results and I watched them. And I think without like the echo chamber kind of of Twitter, you, sometimes you can get a lot better read on fights as well. Because usually I watch them and then I kind of get caught up on them and then I go back and watch them again before we talk them on the I talk about them on the podcast, and I get a better sensation. Then for is that the right word? Maybe I'll go with it for what <laughs> actually happened in it. Then I, I think that's a very important thing as well, people, to, if, especially for analyzing fights. That like it's a lot easier to analyze fights in kind of the cold light of day rather than rather than watch them live because you're expecting something to happen. And you're trying to maybe call it and stuff. So that's a bit weird. Right, we're going on track there. Before we get into those actual two fights, Amanda Nunes pulled out of the fight. 
or was well, yeah she did pull out of the fight i suppose that's the right wording after she had weighed in she she made championship weight as did valentina shevchenko who was they're supposed to um headline ufc's international fight week ufc 213 for the ufc's bantamweight women's title but she pulled out with uh sinitis which i believe is a sinus kind of blockage or something like that apparently it's it's very bad um if you if you get bad dose of it and it's kind of a recurring contagious thing as well um I'll throw it over to you. What are you? What are your thoughts on that? Are you? Yeah, under, um, she shouldn't have done it. But she should have fought. Or are you on a? She's right. Dead right. Um. Hmm. Um. Was it any? Is this like known to be anything to do with like dehydrating yourself or like uh, being being too big for the weight class or no putting too much weight? No, I don't think no? so. But I think uh, I, I think, think your immune system is down for longer if you're cutting weight for longer. It's that's it. Yeah. Mm, uh, it's a tough one. Like uh, I wasn't, I wasn't really like I haven't seen everything about it because of some just back. But um, yeah, um, I think I think a lot of fighters would have taken a lot of stick for it. I don't know what the reaction's been like. Yeah, uh, got a lot of stick, in fairness. Yeah, I think I think uh, I think the stick is probably probably justified. But it's probably like if you're feeling that bad, it's probably a good career move, and it's kind of. It's kind of hard, like you know, these are private contractors, and they they only have a small bracket of uh, of time to make a make money, and um, it's a really tough one. I don't know how bad it was. Like, did she play it up because she just had a bad weight cut, or did she like you know? It's hard to really know what exactly happened. Yeah, see, a lot of this is guesswork as well. I these are the f- kind of the hardest things I find to have a, a real good take on, but I think I think maybe Chuck Mindenhall tweeted someone tweeted anyway that. Oh yeah, it's it's all great telling Amanda Nunes she should have taken the fight, but she'll get what maybe two hundred and fifty k for that fight, and if she loses it, she's back to twenty four k for her next fight. You know, so yeah. it, it's very hard to tell someone, oh, you should be going in and taking that fight. You know, you've risked yeah. that for the fans and stuff. You know, and she might lose her pay per view points depending on how her contract is. What we don't really know, but you know, it's like it, 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 it's a lot on the line, and it depends on how sick you are. Like if you are really sick, then. It probably is the right call, but it's just hard to know because you know um, you don't really know what's what's the what the real story is on these things. Yeah. Like remember in Sage Nor- Narcot as well, like he he was very sick, and I kind of said after that, if he was that sick, why didn't he pull out of the fight? And I, you know, that's kind of a two way street. And if someone does pull out of the fight, you crit- they get criticised for pulling out of the fight. Then if they fight and say they were sick, they get criticised for do- you know actually fighting. So you know, yeah. it's a double edged sword. McGregor I think was on kind of the same boat, wasn't he? Before the DS fight, that yeah, the it. first DS fight, he was very very sick and uh, uh, he had a staff infection and stuff. And yeah, I don't think he ever, I don't think he ever thought about pulling out, but. Um, it's just kind of like it's up to the fighter really it's it's really it's it's really hard to criticize them uh when exactly what you say because like people are going to react badly either way so you're kind of you're kind of fucked either way as in that position <laughs> yeah, and johnny and jacek uh tried to get into the fight then to try to fight Valentin. yeah I, I heard a little bit about that how real do you think that was or how close do you think that came or see there's a thing here someone asked me on twitter do you think it's hard just trying to be a hero get her name out there or did she actually want the fight and i think the answer is both i genuinely think 100 percent she would have taken that fight if they had let her taken it yeah. but i also think she's smart she's not a stupid person you know she knows exactly what she's doing and she, like chill sonnen made a career out of doing this <laughs> you know yeah. he's still doing it. he did it with when um matt mitrion pulled out of the fedor fight on Bellator there a couple of months ago you know she she knows very well she knew, knew what she was doing she knew she wasn't going to get that fight and uh yeah you know a bit of both but it would have been it would have been fun to see it but i'm I, yeah 
I'm kind of glad it didn't happen. It would have been fun. like a lot of these things. There's kind of you have to separate like reality from what would be fun or what's you know <laughs> or like the newness thing as well. But you, you, someone I thought the funniest comment I saw someone on Twitter said she calls herself the lioness. And now then she pulls out of a fight because she's pinning her nose and someone goes, she's not a lioness, she's a fucking human. <laughs> like, yeah, okay, she is, yeah. So uh, I think we have to take that into account as well. But yeah, hopefully they're talking about putting that fight back together for Edmonton. So uh, hopefully that happens. Um, right, let's get into the fights that actually did happen. On the undercard, there really, really wasn't much to, to talk about. Trevin Giles got a good KO. Bilal Mohamed, the sleeper fight, according to Nine McGrath. It was a sleeper fight. sent a lot of people to sleep. Not a great fight. Thiago Santos <laughs> got a destructive win. Um, Chad Laprise looked good as well. And uh, Alexi Olenek. My boy. Uh, Nick, <laughs> Travis Brown. I went 10-1 and one in this was card. It, was it the neck crank, was it? it, it I know it was a rear naked choke, but kind of... Um, Oh. He got he he had his back and then he went to the kind of the side. So he had like a leg hooked around his back and then like a, le- a leg around his hi- on top of his hip and he he rear naked choked him from there. But like it was it was the weirdest thing because Alexi kept trying to um I don't I don't think they said in commentary or anything, but he kept trying to Ezekiel choke him sta- doing a standing Ezekiel choke from the clinch and it was really cool. I was like oh people to stop, but Brown was kind of just hitting him a lot, doing well. And I was like, but then uh, Olenek hit him and nearly knocked him out at once. I was like, Brown, just take him down. Like, take him down. You're so tall that you can afford to posture up and he's not going to Ezekiel choke you unless you actually go right into it. And then he did that. And he was, you know, he was doing grand. He was kind of dominating him from from on top for maybe a minute, minute and a half. Went into side control and then just absolutely panicked altogether. He was like afraid that he was going to get, um, that he was going to get submitted. I was like, just, don't panic. Try to get into the mount. Try to take his back. You know, <laughs> to do something. I know that's a dangerous, especially in the mount as well as a dangerous position against Alnick. But he just from side control, he totally lost it within ten seconds. Alnick um, uh, was rear naked choking him, and the fight was almost over. From being in a dominant side control to losing the fight in like 10, 15 seconds, it was just madness. It was just such a typical Travis Brown fight. Really yeah, was. Travis, like he, he had so much potential, and he just he just hasn't improved. He's actually gotten worse. Uh, I don't know what's going on there. Was was I see something about Dana was saying maybe he should retire or something? Yeah, That's, I don't, I don't know about that, but uh, he's pretty young for that. But um, I think uh, I don't think he's going to, he's going to be um, making any waves at the top of the division when it looked like for for the start of his career, and even when he beat over him that he was he was going to be fighting for belts and he may even like some say told the belt you know it won't predict what heavyweight is but now it doesn't look it doesn't look like that will ever happen and i'd be shocked if it did yeah yeah i i, I definitely agree with that um rob font as well got a got a good submission uh victory with guillotine chalk in the second round uh curtis blaze as well didn't look great against daniel omelanchuk in, in that fight decision i thought he was very kind of choppy with his work getting too much into a knot leaving himself the space that he needed. Couldn't get the takedowns against Amelanzo, who fought pretty well. But um, I saw a lot of people call him a high-level prospect, maybe the second-best prospect in the heavyweight division after Francis Ngannou. Uh, and I would, you know, I concur with that a little bit, but not on this weekend's uh, showing. And I think he's uh, definitely has a lot of improvements to do. But moved to a new camp, I think, over the last uh, year or so, and hopefully hopefully they'll come. But uh, Anthony Pettis, well, I know you watched that fight. Were you impressed on Anthony Pettis and the improvements he's made? or do you think um, 
he he was he looked a bit more loose and free and he was throwing a few more of the, the kicks we were kind of talking about the kind of unpredictable uh cartwheel kick kind of things like that that he that he kind of moved away from a bit but i think um the level of competition like no disrespect to jim miller he's he's been in some brilliant fights and he's he's always game but he uh compared to some of the other guys pettis has, has been fighting uh recently he's he's not at their level so i think uh i think pettis uh looked good but Maybe the pedestal would would have put uh, Jim Miller away. Yeah, I I don't know about that, but I thought like I think Pettis looks looked good on Saturday night because Jim Miller kind of allowed him to look good. He was a very very good matchup for him. Like P- Pettis's biggest problem is when people push him back or when people make him come on to him and don't you know don't allow him. Like basically, people with worse footwork than Anthony Pettis make him look good, and people with better footwork than him, which is almost everyone in that division at the at the top. You know, he struggles against, and obviously down at against Max Holloway as well. But Jim Miller, he didn't push him back at any stage. Although Pettis did a little bit better at pivoting left and right to to yeah. stop that from happening, but Miller didn't really even attempt it. Didn't really throw in any takedowns. I think he went for one, uh, and uh, Pettis just. He was just able to take him apart. Really, it was just an easy fight. Three the same rounds, basically. Maybe, maybe Pettis's hands were looking a little bit better, a little bit crisper than they have um, in the past. He's always kind of been a deficiency in his in his, in his uh, striking game, which is which is top level um, kicking and um, stuff like that. But but um, it's hard to know Pettis. Like he, I, he, I think he said in his post fight press conference that he's he's definitely not going back into one forty five, and he wouldn't he wouldn't wish it on anybody, but. I think uh, that might have set him back a little bit. Um, like I thought he beat Eddie Alvarez when he fought Eddie Alvarez. Like he, he, I don't think he needed to change division. I think that set him back a bit. But I think uh, uh, hopefully, um, hopefully, like he's so entertaining to watch that. Hopefully, we can see him get back to his best and uh, compete again uh, with the with the very top echelon of the division. Yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing the UFC give him like the Michael Chandler treatments, just give him a few easy matchups to get him back in there. You know, give him maybe maybe not Joel Ozan rematch, but you know, something like that. But I think there's there's a lot of good fights as well that are kind of not easy. What about what about I know this isn't this isn't a hard this isn't an easy fight by any means, but Gaethje and Pettis. Yeah. Yeah, I mentioned that as well and at the weekend. Yeah, I think that'll be a really good fight. Joseph Duffy as well, if he resigns, I think that'll be a good fight. That could headline yeah, a card. Brilliant fight as well, yeah. Yeah, brilliant. And I, like those are those are two fights I was going to mention that I think would be good for Pettis in that there. I think maybe Gaethje a little bit more. Well, he's going to push him. I don't know. They're actually two tough fights as well. From I think the, the Duffy fight would be kind of very even. You know, Duffy likes to move forward, but he'll give you time to work your space as well because he likes to work in space. You know, that's what Pettis like. Now Gaethje will push forward and he he could go for takedowns as well and he's going to be wild, but Pettis will be a little bit quicker than him, a little bit uh, more accurate maybe. And he's like, yep, two good fights. I really like him and we'll obviously get yeah. more to Justin Gaethje maybe, in, in a few minutes. Maybe Pettis and Aloy Quinta if they want to give him a slightly not top-level guy. Just slightly below. I like that as well. Yeah, I've watched who was it? Um, Kevin Lee fighting a couple of weeks ago. I watched his fight against Ali Quinta, and like I know that was a good while back, but I Quinta gets through on toughness an awful lot. And when you're meeting a guy as good as Anthony Pettis, that could be you know, it could be a very tough matchup for, for yeah. him. Style isn't um, good Pettis for Ali Quinta either, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Right, let's get to the, the comment event. Alistair Overeem against Fabrizio Verdum. Just actually before we started, I saw Guillermo, um, I'm gonna call him Rigando, Guillermo Cruz. Guillermo Cruz, even, on, from MMAfighting.com, said that Fabrizio Verdum is going to appeal. He's lost to Alistair Overeem uh, at 
uh, obviously in the coming event. For me, for I what, think what it's grounds? just because he didn't like the decision. Uh, for me, I thought the decision we'll was perfect. <laughs> I, like, I saw people giving out stink about the 28-28. I wouldn't have I scored 29-28 to Overeem, but I could see an argument for it in the in the tour. Okay, the old scoring system as well. Probably not. I don't think it was. Let's let's just be there. But he did hit him really hard and early knocked him out. Hit him with that knee. Three or four really tough shots. That fight was close to being finished. I know he took him down and he he did beat him up a little bit on the on the ground as well. I could see it. Like wasn't it wasn't yeah. beyond. I don't think it's appeal kind of a thing. Yeah, no, definitely not. Uh, I think the first round was extremely close as well. Uh, could have been a could have been a drawn round, or could have went either way. And you can't really argue much with that. I I, I thought over him won the fight twenty nine twenty eight, but like um, you, you couldn't really. I wouldn't really be arguing with with somebody if they, like you could make a very valid argument for why you thought it. Kind of depends what you like. There's a lot of that in MMA. Like it's very, it's very. Um, it's kind of what you like. It's what you, you think is the more effective. What you think is doing the most impact, and maybe. Um, you know, it's in people's head, in the judge's head. Maybe four medium strikes uh, would be uh, outdone by one big strike, but then in other judges' mind, it wouldn't be. So it's 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 very subjective, and uh, he's definitely not going to win that appeal. So we shouldn't bother wasting anybody's yeah. everybody's time, uh, including his own. Um, just just move on. <laughs> Can I just say at this point as well that strike stats in MMA are the biggest load of bullshit. You'll uh, don't ever. Talked about fucking sides fights. Were you not talking about fight a few weeks ago? Did you not mention? Ah, probably. There are a lot of shit. I was talking shit if I was talking about him. Let's put it that way. <laughs> ah, they're fucking a lot of shit. Four strikes. They said over him. Or where Verdum landed in the first and over him. No, seven, seven Verdum, four over him in the first round. A lot really? of fucking bullshit. Seems a lot more than, than that to me. A lot of shit. Significant strikes. What the fuck is a significant strike? Oh, I hate it. I hate it so much. <laughs> you see, um, Sandy put up a tweet that the, the stats from Gechi, um, Gechi Johnson, every f- strike landed and it was a significant strike. What a load of fucking garbage. Bullshit. <laughs> so, st- oh, I hate it so much. Like, I, I thought over him f- pretty clearly when that first round, to be honest. Verdum did okay, but I thought over him landed all the hard strike, all the hard strikes. And I remember the scoring system. The, the MMA rules are it's not about output it's not about how many strikes you land it's about the damage that it does now the word damage isn't in it but you know what I mean impact, they call it, yeah yeah the impact and over him I, I don't think that was a hard round to score really I definitely think over him won it I think he landed way harder impact um, yeah. uh, Verdun's hardest shot in that was a very very hard body kick but I think over him landed three strikes at least if not four as hard as that and I don't think over him landed Anything significant other than yeah, that. under the under the old rules, I think there's more of an argument for for Verdum in the first round, uh, even though I would still go with over him. But um, the new rules, but they uh, they obviously they adopt them in, in Vegas, but in some states, no, it was all no, they don't. They were, it was the old rules in Vegas. Oh, was, oh, Jesus, yeah. So the impact isn't as important as uh, it is but in the still, new rules. Uh, that was still um, in the rules. The rules, though, they can't. Still... They, they, yeah. It's more stress now, though. But they, they they can't be calling them the unified rules when they're not unified. Yeah, that's a good point. That is a good point. But yeah, yeah. What you think for Overeem next? Try to keep track. Like you don't know which rules. Like I I didn't catch the card live. Didn't watch the whole thing. Like you know, a casual fan doesn't have a clue about this kind of stuff. Like just, like they tune in for one or two fights, or they tune in for the pay per view, or whatever. They don't know what the rule set is. Like so, it's just confusing to people. You need to make make one rule set and enforce it, and not fight in other states that won't that won't adopt it. 
100%, yeah. Over next, they, they said he's going to get a, a title shot next. I'd be very, very surprised if he did after Stipe just destroyed him and the fight they, they just had. Yeah. Um, if Stipe was to lose the belt, maybe yeah, Overeem would stand a better chance uh, of getting the rematch. But uh, a lot of a lot of the guys at the top of the division um, have already fought Stipe, so barring Ganu, if he, he has a tough fight against JDS, but uh, I, it's hard to know, but I'd probably, uh, without watching any tape, just Straight up pick, picking now on just uh, not much thought. I'd pick Ngannou. So maybe if Ngannou wants to become champion um, after that, then maybe it would be uh, it would open up avenues for for Overeem to get another title shot. I think Overeem versus Velasquez makes the most sense. I think that's a perfect fight to make right now. Yeah, with Velasquez, uh, like, is there even any word about Velasquez? I haven't heard about Velasquez in ages. Who's he supposed to fight? He was supposed to fight Stipe, wasn't he? And then he said he had a back injury like the week of the fight or like two weeks before or something and they, they pulled him out. But yeah, I don't know. I think he's back pretty soon. He, he could fight over him. Make that happen. Isn't there a card coming to uh, to Holland? Isn't your man the Gokan Saki wanting to fight on it? Maybe they could fight on oh, it. Yeah, yeah. Do that. Let's do that. Right. Uh, let's move on to the main event. Joel Romero against Robert Whittaker. In a, it was... It was a brilliant fight, but more of a tactical fight than, than anything else. It kind of went, it kind of went like I thought it, it it would go, but after a while, maybe I think Overeem or sorry uh, Romero, that that leg kick he he threw it within like ten seconds of the fight, just changed everything from Robert Whitaker's point of view and just showed me what an unbelievably good fighter Robert Whitaker is. I think people, a lot of people, I saw people saying Bisping had beat the Romero that showed up. They honestly do not understand. <laughs> like, they don't understand how good Robert Whitaker is. Like what he did in that fight was just phenomenal for me. Like I, I watched it live or watching it the morning after because I slept it out. I had it scored uh, three rounds to two to Whitaker, but I watched it just again like an hour before we did the podcast and I actually scored a 4-1. I thought he won the first round. Um, the second round, obviously, Romero got the takedowns and stuff, but like Robert Whitaker did, after he got kicked, and he got kicked like three times maybe in the first minute, minute and a half in his knee that uh, he said he, he injured during camp, but it obviously it reoccurred when uh, Romero kicked him. He literally couldn't, it, like when Robert Whitaker goes forward, he moves his leg. His front leg was obviously his left leg, the one that got injured. He moves it kind of once to get forward and then once into space when he strikes. But he could only move it once forward. And he, when he tried to move it into space, it was just buckling under him. And he literally couldn't get the, the angle on the leg that he needed. It just wouldn't do it. It wouldn't go for him. And he said that to Joe Rogan afterwards. Stability just wasn't there. So what he started doing was he was pivoting on his bad leg, just holding it like straight under him and throwing the, the his right leg all the time. Look how many times he threw a kick from his right leg, just like a straight kick up the middle, like, a, you know, the Anderson Silva kind of front kick, but he threw it to the stomach every time. He must have thrown that 30 times during the fight. He just kept throwing it all the time. And, like, I'd love to ask him, but I don't think that was in his um, in his game plan coming into the fight. I, I, I honestly think he was just, oh, my leg is fucked, I'm going to have to change something up, and he did that, and that, that's what he did. That literally got him through the first two rounds, and then he, I think he started getting a little bit freer, kind of forget about it, uh, and a little bit better. But wh- what did you think of the fight, especially the start of the fight after he got injured? Yeah, I thought it was an absolutely brilliant fight. It's too, I love watching um, fighters who her styles are, are different or unorthodox, and both of them are. You know, Romero's throwing jumping sidekicks to the leg and uh, hook kicks to the head. And like you know, if, if that hook kick doesn't land with, with Romero's calf, it lands with his with his um, foot or his um, 
heel that, that like that could finish you you know the, it's, it's very like these are a matter of inches like uh and uh robert whitaker as you say like even like even with that injury like he still is just so dynamic like in, in the striking and it, it is his shot selection is, is great and i um he's just improved so much in uh, in front of our eyes like he, fight to fight he just constantly getting better like uh, like he, I'd, like I know he's in a different weight division than Wonderboy now, but I'd love to see that fight again right now and see what would happen. We have a question about that actually. Thinking Wonderboy should come up to the division and fight. Like I think that's a great idea. Bring Wonderboy up and fight someone like uh, Gastelum. Even could be a number one contender fight, or maybe a couple of fights even fight Whitaker again. I think that'd be great. Yeah. But back back to Whitaker and the yeah. fight itself. Like there, there were so many great right. things he did in this like his takedown defense was just absolutely unbelievable i know he got taken down in the second round but he he didn't not really much happen but like before that joe rogan i think made a great point he was like um what exactly did he call it oh, no i think he said it with the the overing verdum fight that he should act like verdum is on fire and just get straight up do you ever see that game the floor is lava where you have to like jump off the floor that was like that was like whitaker with romero he's like Every time he almost got him down, no, 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 I'm not going down, I'm not going down. I like Jose Aldo does it, just kind of mans his way out of it, you know, just like, you're not fucking taking me down, I'm just getting up, and that's what he did, that's what he did against Jack Ray, he was just, like, I thought it was absolutely brilliant, there was one stage as well, he was, Romero had him, and he had him, like, in, you know, the kind of the suplex position where he has his two hands around his waist, and he had him up against the fence, and Romero was like, he, he threw a knee at him, and then he went to um, kick his legs out from under him to take him down. And uh, he he stopped the takedown by putting his head against the fence, like just unbelievable. Put his head against the fence, and he literally pivoted uh, with his head against the fence and stopped the takedown. He also landed a beautiful elbow right up the middle in the first round and knocked Romero down with it. That I don't think a lot of people saw because Romero went for the takedown straight away after. Just just a brilliant all round display from Robert Whitaker. Just the little things are so good, so precise inside, so fast. Just took over the fight in in the third, fourth, and fifth rounds and kind of walked away with it. Yeah, Joe Romero is known for when he gets on top being explosive. But Robert Whitaker was able to just uh, nullify him, like he, he frustrated him on the on the ground and wasn't like didn't really take that much damage when he was taken down. And especially with it with a gammy leg, that is just very very impressive. Like Joe Romero is is so good. Like as you were saying, like you know people maybe think oh he's not that good because he lost to to Whitaker and he has an injured leg, but. People who've been watching Romero over the years, he's he's so explosive, so athletic. His takedowns are so good. His his top control is really good. He's so unorthodox and like you, you, like look what he did to Chris Weidman with that knee. Like he can mm-hmm. explode into into towards you with such force, like at any moment. And he kind of I think I think Rogan or Stan said it during the their fight that he he kind of lulls you with a bit of kind of slow slower, and then he just explodes out of nowhere. Um, and Whitaker just took, was able to take everything he threw at him and just better him. Um, I I watched the fight back, obviously knowing the result, and I thought, and I'd already seen you mention in uh, the WhatsApp group that um, post a clip of, of him getting dropped with the elbow. Uh, so I so I I definitely scored the first round for Whitaker as well, and uh, the, the the second round for the second round was the only round I scored for Romero. Yeah, I, I'm the same. Yeah, like Patrick Oyman mentioned it on Twitter that uh, it it was everything we thought Wonderboy versus or yeah Wonderboy versus Woodley would be. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It, it was like, but the only thing it didn't have was Romero didn't land the big shots that Woodley landed in both their fights. He just Robert Whitaker didn't let him do it. You know, he like 
if anything in that fight, you'd be expecting, okay, Robert Whitaker could win the decision, but he, you know, he'd probably get knocked down. He'll probably have to weather a storm. There was no storm, really, was there? He, like, he got injured in the first 10, 10, 15 seconds of the fight, and he still kind of walked yeah. his way through it. You know, there was, Romero definitely had his, his strong points, especially obviously in the second round. The first round was close. I, at you know, live, I scored it for him, and, and going back, I didn't, but relatively close. But there was no dominant, like, the only dominant bits were from Robert Whitaker. It's just, yeah. Brilliant, brilliant performance altogether. Yeah, you, Romero said that he did know that he'd injured him as well. Do you think he maybe should have attacked the leg a little bit more? I think he was trying to attack it. Like, like, I think that front kick that Whitaker was throwing was just putting Romero off, whatever, him because he, see, when Romero won, he was hitting him, he hit him because his leg moved in. You know, that's where he hit him like the first two or three times. And then his leg wasn't coming in anymore, so he couldn't hit it anymore. You know, but there, was a, there was a couple of times earlier, I think, where Romero like jumped towards him into yeah. like a bleak kick and, and he was he kind of was going for the, the leg very early just after he'd injured it. But maybe maybe Romero kind of forgot about it as he was getting hit with strikes. You know, he kind of wasn't in the forefront of his mind like it was when in the first round when he when he said he knew he'd injured it. So it's hard to know. Maybe he was trying and Whitaker is obviously so... He's, he's, he's so his angles are brilliant his shot selection is brilliant as you say he kept the distance with that when, when he wanted to he just controlled the distance of the fight better than Romero and I think that's what that's what won it for him yeah I, I think Rogan said it as well like and it, it's weird watching the fights live that you notice someone conserving their energy that's you know not usually a thing especially the way I watch fights that I notice but you could you could visibly notice it when like the third round I was thinking to myself oh, he's after taking the third round off and like, there's obviously issues with his cardio that he that he obviously knows about, and that he wants to conserve it over five rounds. How everyone is probably like that, but him especially, he's so muscle bound, so big and all, compared to someone like Whitaker, who who even said it himself. You know, he doesn't have the same body. Came up from welterweight as well, so doesn't have the weight cutting issues or anything like that. But when a guy can go for five rounds and keep going like Whitaker did, even when he's injured and Romero can't, you're at a huge disadvantage. Absolutely huge. That's why I say as well with this McGregor Mayweather thing, people saying 10 ounce gloves, it would be better if you could fight with eight ounce gloves, but you have to cut the 147 or 144 or whatever it is. 147, I think that, I think it's way more of an advantage that you don't have to cut that weight and drain yourself. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I thought it was a, a brilliant fight. They said Brian yeah, might. I don't, think, I don't think fans, some fans, unless they're unless they're um, hardcore fans, I don't think they realise how brutal some of these guys' weight cuts are. Like, um, that some of them are seriously brutal. Like, uh, I've been there for for some bad weight cuts with with Connor, and they're they're brutal. They really are. I don't like it, the UC. Obviously, don't publicise it uh, all that much, like because <laughs> it does. It, it is a but kind of um, a danger in the sport. That's kind of. Um, that's kind of hasn't been picked up on by the mainstream and they don't want to, they don't want to put it into the mainstream conscious consciousness, but uh, it's a real, it's a real problem. The, these massive weight cuts, like Pettis talking about, it, he wouldn't wish it on anybody, you know, Nunez having to pull out after, after she does, makes a big weight cut. Maybe it was related. Maybe it wasn't, but like depleting your body, like, like this right before your fight is obviously going to leave you more susceptible to illnesses and, and all that because it, you're just you're like the fighters are like freezing they they can they can barely sleep they're just they're just there's just a lack of energy in their body like you know it's 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 very difficult for a lot of guys who are putting weight yeah i like i think you don't said it on provincial a lot i think bobby southward 
tough season one. If you haven't seen that, go back and watch that, that episode where he's cutting a lot of weight, where they weren't expecting the fight, and then they made him fight, and he cut, like, Josh Koscheck dragging him into the sauna, standing outside, you know, making him stay, and he could barely talk and things like yeah. that. That's one Gabe of the Rudiger is a good one as well, and on yeah. Judgment Fighter, he, he's really badly struggled as well. And it, break, it can break it. It can yeah. really can break it. You can't play. Like, I, I know now it's probably not the time we don't have time to talk about, but we've talked about it before, this weight cutting. I said on Twitter during the weekend, it it has to be just exonerated from the sport. It, it has to go. At least uh, there's some signs of, of the brow, brow not being mm-hmm. licensed. At least there's some signs that they actually are uh, taking, some commissions at least are, are trying to take some steps to, to help or to try and solve the problem. Or not solve the problem, but help with the problem. Yeah. Right. Um, Bisping against Whitaker, do you think it'll actually happen or do you think uh, it'll be GSP against Bisping? <laughs> Depends on that injury. That like that knee could be. Depends what happens. Did you, is there any been any news about how bad uh, Whitaker's knee is? I, I think he said it's a thing that it had, it had healed up and he kind of forgot about it and then he just kind of re-aggravated him so it'll take another few weeks yeah. but I don't know that's obviously just him talking so I think he said to Bisping in the post-fight interview or that when they were kind of squaring off talking that uh, give me a recovery and then mm-hmm. so yeah it's it's. I thought actually Rob Whitaker came across brilliant. Like he just laughed off all Bisbing stuff, and he just came across as a really nice guy and charismatic, and just he 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 really shone in the in the position. I thought uh, after the fight. Yeah, there's nothing better than taking the Max Holloway approach. It's like winning all your fights, getting up there, then winning the interim belt, and saying, "Ah, oh, this is not really the real belt. I want the real one." Like people love yeah. that so much, and I like Rob Whitaker is a guy that's. There's nothing false about him, you know. He's just a quiet Australian lad who New Zealand, loves New Zealand, New Zealand. really good. And well, he's, I think he's, I don't know. I always get confused. Well, I don't get confused, but all, like all them lads, they live in New Zealand, they live in Australia, they consider themselves New Zealand. Like it's very weird. It's not like a Canada, America, England, Ireland sort of thing. It's very, I don't know. I think New Zealanders are very, very proud nation, like kind of islanders as well. Like, I think you know. a lot of them have like half, you know, they might have a New Zealand father and Australian mother or something like that. And I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're all the ones. And they always get good support from the from the, the Australians as well. And the Australians kind of adopt them at their own. Yeah, exactly. It's like you support Liverpool. It's come back. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I don't know. The way they were talking, it's like it's, it sounds like Bisping against Whitaker. There's a big show at I think a twenty thousand seater over in Australia in November or something like that. Uh I could see that happening. That that kind of makes sense. Um Bisping <laughs> I think Bisping is is just happy he doesn't fight you well Romero to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that'll be a good fight. Uh I think Whitaker will handle him pretty easily. But I think Bisping and Whitaker will actually be a better fight than people actually realise. I think Michael Bisping is uh is a little bit underrated but um yeah I definitely favor Robert Whitaker in that one, right? Let's move on to UFC, the Ultimate Fighter Redemption finale. And the first thing I want to talk about in this, Graham, kind of lead in with UFC 213, is the commentary booth. Uh, obviously, we had Brian, Stan, Joe Rogan, and uh, John Anik for UFC 213. And then we had Brian, Stan, and um, the Todd uh, Grisham <laughs> commentating on that. What are your thoughts on them, Graham? Well, I didn't see the, the the full thing, and I saw mm-hmm. people on Twitter though talking about the MMA and not being able to pronounce Sakuraba and stuff like that. That's just that's going to piss off the the hardcore fans. Like that is that is not a good look. Tasuki uh, Sakusaga. Like legends like that deserve to have their names uh, pronounced properly by the by the broadcast team. Like at it's... least no, if they if they make a mistake, they correct themselves immediately. They just not knowing the name is, is really not good enough. Like. 
It's Duke Lydeal. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, uh, like it's hard to defend that. Like, uh, well, I didn't see the whole broadcast, so I just saw the certain certain fights. But um, you probably in a better position to to talk about yeah. all the mistakes he made. But people seem pretty outraged on uh, what I saw on social media. Yeah, I, like the first the first time, I think you didn't like him, and I thought he was actually okay. I thought he did well. But oh God, I thought he was very, very bad. And I'm very, I'm pretty positive a lot of time about announcers. Like I think the, the, the two on three, I thought it might, might be the best UFC announce team ever. And maybe it sounded better because the night before was so bad. <laughs> Brian Stan, you could tell, like you, I know Brian Stan is so professional and he's so good, but he, <laughs> you, he couldn't hide. He's like this day, and even though he might, like if you asked him, I bet you wouldn't say it, and he'd be truthful, but. You you could see it like that. There's just you when you're an like an MMA neophile to to steal a word from um Mara Ranella, who's also a brilliant commentator. <laughs> um, you, you can't hide it. Like people have been people who watch MMA and know about the MMA. Um, you you can't hide it. You cannot hide it. It's like we know we we've, we've been watching it for so long. You know when people like you you talk about it. Remember the time. Like when people people send us like in articles all the time writing stuff and uh, like by reading an article you can know if this is a an MMA neophile or for someone who knows their shit about MMA. I remember Luke Thomas talking about seeing Sean Al Shadi. He was like working as an editor of like a newspaper or website or something, and then like someone wrote an article on MMA and Luke was like, "Oh, I better read this," and he read it and it was unbelievable. He knew this guy knew who, uh, he shit and it was Sean Al Shadi. Like you can people know if you're listening to this podcast, you more than likely know yourself and you can tell when people are off. And that's just where Todd Grisham lies, I think. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Like it's very hard. You you can't pull the wool over the, the eyes with knowledge wise on on hardcore MMA fans. Like hardcore MMA fans are obsessed with this game, and they know they know they know everything about the game. Uh, like the, the well, not everything about the game, but they know everything. They know a lot. Um, if if you're trying to bluff them, it's not going to work. You need to put. He needs to do what Brian Stan does. Do what Dominic Cruz does. Put the work in. Get to know these guys' names properly first of all like you hear you hear you see pictures of or videos of don cruz going as a media member to interview these guys at their interview days mm-hmm. to get to find out about them you see uh john gooden doing doing interviews with, with or uh, sitting down talking to the fighters before before events uh all, every single fighter in order to make sure that he knows what he's talking about and that the wikipedia page isn't wrong or whatever you know because these things aren't, aren't that reliable um it's just you need to put in the work, and um, it, I don't know if Todd's not putting in the work. Maybe he is, and he just had a bad night. But I haven't been impressed with him at all. I know you were you were happy enough with him at the start, as you said. Yeah. Well, I haven't I haven't been impressed with him at all. Yeah, I thought he made one horrendous call as well in the in the Gechi Johnson fight. What was it? I meant to write it down. I can't remember now, but it was near the end anyway. I thought it was thought it was really bad. But yeah. Um, there's two new guys as well coming in now for the Dana White Contender Series, and they're going to give giving them every second week. Paul Felder is going to be play by play with uh, the Togjitsu Master Eve, uh, Eve Edwards. Edwards, yes. Oh, I'm fucking gone full. Eve Edwards. Saku Kaba. Eve Edwards. There, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that that should be uh, that should be fun. I just got an email about that before uh, before the show. So yeah, maybe one of those guys could be good, and we'll see. Uh, we'll see one of them in in the thing first. But um, yeah, I think John Gooden is good. I think John Anik is good. I really like Stan. I think Rogan and Stan. Rogan and Stan had this thing where 
Rogan will disagree with Stan and Stan will disagree with Rogan. And at first I thought, oh, this, you know, there's a bit of needle there. But then I kind of started to enjoy it. It's like, like if I say something now that's bullshit, you'll call me out on it and vice versa. Like, I like that. Like, that's something we don't usually see. And it was kind of a culture shock at first when I saw it. But I kind of grew to like it over the night. And I think going forward, that's a... You know that's a good thing. I like that. But um, yeah, like uh, Stan at the start was when he started was was nowhere near as good as he was now. So it does it does take time. Like it's rare that somebody like Dominic Cruz just comes in and he's just brilliant straight away. That's yeah. that's rare. So maybe Todd will turn it around, but it, it it's it hasn't got off to a good start. And it's it, first impressions are very important uh, uh, in general life. But in, in in MMA fans will turn on you quickly. Like um, he 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 want to turn it around quickly or. Uh, he'd be at the door and say soon enough. Yeah, definitely. Uh, right, let's get into this card. Uh, Graham Maynard uh, had a good win against Ishihara. Uh, I have to say, Tisha Torres, submission of the year for me against Juliana Lima. Did you see it? Took her just. I saw the, the finish only. Yeah, yeah. Oh, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant finish. She's getting close to the title shot, I think. I'd love to see 105 on division. I'll say it again. Uh, James Krause had a good win over Tom Glecchio, who's as tough as nails. And ha- I hope he went to the hospital after that because he took a hell of a beating. Uh, Angela Hill, not a great fight against Ashley Oder, but a good, another good win for her. Uh, they're obviously coming in from Invicta and a few tough fights there. Um, Jordan Johnson and Marcel Fortuna put on a good fight as well. Brad Tavares and Elias Teodora, not a great fight. Uh, Jared Kinnear destroyed a dude as well. Um, and then we'll get to the top three fights. So we'll leave a second. Jesse Taylor against Diego Lima. I think it was just typical Jesse Taylor fight. Took the guy down, choked him out. Uh, Caught a big shot from Diego Lima. Um, did you did you catch that fight or was I just yeah, that one? You yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I, I saw I saw the end of it. Uh, I saw from when he got dropped uh, to to getting up and finishing. Yeah, no, I, I'm happy for Jesse Taylor. I've kind of always liked him. You know, he's he fought Chris Fields back in the day and all, didn't he? And he was cage warrior champion and went all over the world. And I think he was a good fighter back in the day. But kicking out that limo and stuff in uh, in tough kind of. I think put a lot of people off him, but I'm glad he's getting his chance. Got a big, big check, and I think I don't think he's as bad a guy maybe as people thought at the time, or you know, he made a stupid yeah. mistake. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was so. I think he was very immature, and he probably admitted mm-hmm. that himself. And uh, it, it took it took something like that getting kicked, uh, like he didn't get kicked out of the UFC, but he got kicked off tough, which he was basically in the UFC if he if he just had not done that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it it I think it, it took, he was immature, so it took something like that to kind of give him the kick in the ass that he needed and they, they made him work very very hard to get back into the UFC but he he's absolutely he's he's absolutely brilliant wrestler like he's so he just needs a leg and he gets on top and he'll he'll grind these guys down and he's he's a very he's obviously always had very very good rear naked chokes especially um so yeah um it didn't surprise me to be honest uh to see that that he that he beat uh Krause in the house and that he that he beat um, Lima in the final, in the in the final. But Lima's actually on looking better, looking yeah. very good as well. Like, yeah. uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he keeps improving as well and is a very good fighter in the future as well. I'd love to see Jesse Taylor against Colby Covington. I know he's a little bit above him now, yeah. probably in, in rankings. Uh, but I think that'd who, be like fight. that'll be just uh, how would you even pick in that fight? Like, who's going to be a yeah. better wrestler? I think yeah. I just have to go with Jesse Taylor because he's just so big and strong. But I'd love to see that. Yeah. Whoever forgets to take down first, maybe. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, just a quick word on the actual tough itself. I think you you made a point there about Jesse Taylor kind of getting more mature and stuff. I think uh, let me bang bro was still in the house and he kind of showed in the end that he hasn't. He's just like the same. Tim Elliott, did you see that? Tim Elliott, yeah, like the last brilliant. Tim Elliott was brilliant. Like, brilliant. It was hilarious. Uh, 
it was that was one of the best tough episodes in years. Tim Tim Elliott, they should have him as a coach. Like it'd be some crap. <laughs> he was fucking brilliant. But yeah, a pretty good season all along. I, I like the comeback season. Um, it was like uh, Eddie Garden lost. I, I like Eddie Garden. I was hoping maybe he he'd get one of the comeback fights. Didn't really get it. There was a lot of lads in the house as well who you know. I thought it was a, a good season all around. But um. Yeah, just the the shit talking as well it was good between uh, TJ and Cody. So um, yeah, good season. And yeah, it took it. A lot of it was taken. Uh, I thought, I've just seen so many of them that it's just the same old stuff. But yeah. the, the the redemption angle was good. Like it was good that two guys who had never lost in the house ended up in the in the final as well. Yeah. Um. That was that was a good little storyline as well. And the, like it was a uh, good for somebody like Jesse Taylor to win it with it being called redemption as well. So it all yeah. kind of came together in the end for the UFC. Uh, or for the, the tough the tough season. Yeah, 100%. Right, your boy, Mark J. Casey, or Jack Casey, as you call him, against Dakar Claw, Dracar Claw, sorry. Um, you put the cool on him. You, you, you said he was going to be a world <laughs> champion, and then it was all going swimmingly until you said that. I still think he's going to be a world champion, to be honest. I just think this was a, a brilliant fight from Dracar Claw. Just, I, I love when guys come out and just put on a brilliant game plan and it works. You know, you have to just admire. I don't like. I called it for DKS. I said he was going to win. I said DKS is going to be world champion. I still do. But Drakkar Klaus just went out there and he leg kicked him, took him out of his game in the first two or three minutes, and hurt that leg, injured it, and DKS he just couldn't get off his game anymore. Couldn't get off the pop with these shots. Yeah, through the, the kicks, but they didn't have the same pop as they normally would. And Dracar Close just took yeah. advantage of it, falling close very, very well. Avoided a lot of DKC's uh, attacks and stuff for the first two rounds. Now, DKC had a good third round when he upped the pace a lot, forced DKC to change his stance uh, to fight in Southpaw, and he just wasn't as good in Southpaw. Like, I, I was kind of watching the last maybe minute, minute and a half, two minutes around. I was like, change back. Like, if you take a few leg kicks, you take a few leg kicks, but you have to kind of change back. Maybe his leg was in such a bad position. Yeah, it all kind of depends on how smart the leg is or how damaged the leg is. Yeah, I thought it was just a f- brilliant, brilliant performance by Jacker Close. Just an intelligent game plan that worked to a T against a really, really good yeah. fighter in JKS. See, yeah. yeah, see, yeah, the Casey usually comes out and throws hard leg kicks himself, and it's kind of part of his, his routine that he does. And Closer took that away from him and played it, did it to him, did, did it to, uh, played him and beat him at his own game, kind of in that way, in the leg kick game. And them low calf kicks are, are so effective. Like, look at Michael Chandler, like, lost his belt because of one of uh, like a very similar kick. And uh, BJ Penn got knocked down repeatedly with, with a kick like that from Benson Henderson. Um, these these kicks and even going back to the night before like that was vital that nearly nearly turned out to be very vital if if one of them rounds had been scored differently by the judges then romero's the interim champion you know these are very effective and underutilized low leg kicks like to the uh, like to the calf or to the just above the ankle Mm-hmm. And um, it's good to see them coming coming in, and they do. They they like it, it took Jacezy out of his game completely. I think he, I think Jacezy was trying to uh, land the, the spectacular shot too much. I think once once he was injured, yeah, uh, he should have just kind of stuck to the basics a bit more. Make, like yeah, you can throw you can throw this, but once you once you set it up with a with a few with a few punches or a few leg kicks, you know, you I know he was trying to finish the show, and he, he likes to try and finish, but um. Maybe a couple of the, like it was a very close fight. Like you know, you just need to win one of them rounds, then and then you've you've got away with being getting injured by your opponent and um, still winning. So like these these tiny little things are are so huge in a fight. And I think young fighters like both of these guys are 
there's still as you say like you know you're still saying he's going to be a world champion i wouldn't be surprised at all these guys get so much better fight to fight look at max holloway look at loads of guys over the years um so yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't rule uh i wouldn't rule it out as you say experience uh, yeah. experience is everything in mma someone put up yeah. the ages of the ufc champions like oh i think the youngest one's like 26 or something i think robert whitaker and robert whitaker has a lot of experience like just to talk about that when he hurt his leg he just started throwing that other leg all the time and taking you know taking away his leg that he uses an awful lot and taking it away from Ramirez so he couldn't hit it now dks he did that by by switching stances and it, that worked ended up working against him i think but that will come with experience that that's i'm not faulting you guess it's just that's something was something that he'll go back into the gym and go if that happens to me again what do i do now and then he'll know yeah, what to do he's gonna close, close them holes in the game like yeah. he's he's rapidly improving fight to fight like over the uh he actually said but said before the fight that he he wanted uh like he was obviously assuming he was gonna win he wanted time off to not just jump straight back into a camp so we can he, so we can actually improve his technique instead of just uh working towards a game plan and working towards making weight like i, I think maybe jkz could do with losing a bit of uh upper body muscle because uh if you're if you're walking around at like 183 and you're cutting down to 155 it's it's a lot it's a lot like uh and he and maybe if he if he had have had a bit more energy he might have been able to get a takedown and steal around and that he that he lost uh from the top position that he wasn't able to get like these are these little things make a huge difference in a, difference in a fight and like he'll probably know better than he, you know, he'll obviously know better than me because he was in there uh how how tired he was or or how much the weight cut uh affected him but maybe that will be a, a, a something to take from it and and obviously um there's little things you can just change and it makes such a difference so uh, uh people obviously write you off when you when or a lot of people will write you off when you lose but if you look at all the champions in the ufc ever none of them are undefeated yeah that is except for kind of john jones but that's officially he's not undefeated yeah Joanna. sorry yeah yeah but it's very very rare it's yeah, very rare that's, that's true and that, and she'll be beaten in the end because it you have a bad day in the office it's a very unforgiving game MMA. Yeah, that's true. Um, Dave Fogarty just sent me a Snapchat of Conor McGregor buying jewellery. There you go, breaking news. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's get to the... Uh, the uh, just actually finding that track and close, fair play to him. I don't think... Because Marty Casey's kind of the name, and especially with us, we've done you know a couple of documentaries and stuff on him as well. Have to give credit again. I know we did it, Dracker Close, just great to say. I think he's a he's the one that definitely up and coming prospect and he's going to be um I think he's he's due now for a good fight uh, a big name as well after that. Um so yeah fair play to him. All right main yeah, event I think uh, a lot of sorry the last thing on this I think um a lot of people when um they get frustrated when the, when somebody like Jacques is talking a lot and that but I think he used it as a fire and he like you know he seems pissed off after the fight as well uh, but some guys kind of let it get the better of them and he seemed to channel it and use it to his advantage which is which is rare enough to be honest and it's, it, it's, he was yeah he had a brilliant performance and he deserved the win on my, on my card as well yeah he was a bit of a dickhead after it all right in fairness but uh yeah I kind of forgot about that but look I suppose if there's a time to be a dickhead, that's the time to be. <laughs> but yeah, I, I didn't really like that to be honest. I'm not going to lie, but fair play to him. It was a, it was a great fight anyway. Uh, main event: Justin Gaethje against Michael Johnson. Just, just uh, a brilliant fight. And I think what a apart from, ball, yeah. Apart from Gaethje, my pick, Nick, I think I got. I basically called this fight pretty right. I think like Johnson with the hard shots, 
picking the openings, had the better of it early, even though, well, Gaethje was probably winning, but Johnson was closer to finishing, I think, in the first round and a half or so, but when you get into a war with, <laughs> with Justin Gaethje, unless you do knock him out early, you're going to lose, because don't get into a war with a war horse, and that's just what Justin Gaethje is, like, he kept pushing Johnson yeah. back all the time, brilliant, I thought, I thought one, just one brilliant thing that Johnson did, the, the knockdown, when he knocked J.K.C. down in the first round, J.K.C., or J.K.C., uh, Gaethje, Jesus Christ, I'm I'm very bad for doing that. If people, you're worse than Todd Grisham. I'm I'm worse than the Todd. The MMA, <laughs> I'm bad, very bad at the MMA. But um, Gaethje, yeah, he's done it before, but he did it more in this fight than ever. I think when he came in, he was coming in wild, but then he was covering up, like really covering up, like literally putting his hands against his his head, and covering up. And what uh, Johnson did brilliantly. He was standing right in front of him, right Gaethje, with his two hands against his head, and Johnson threw the left hook went over and hit Gaethje's left hand off of his head, moved it away so his head was open, and then immediately threw the right hook and caught Gaethje right in the jaw and knocked him down. I thought it was brilliant. I think Johnny Hendrick did it before. I think it was against John Fitch, uh, a similar sort of thing. Hit the hand and then with the gap, come in with your other hand and, and hit the guy right in the chin. I love seeing that. I thought that was brilliant. I'm, I'm pretty sure he meant it, but may, maybe not. But that was, that was just brilliant. But, but it was just a phenomenal back and forth fight. Fair play to Michael Johnson for going in there and actually doing that, although he didn't have yeah. much of a choice. Really, Gaethje always does it. But you love it as much as me. Yeah, it was absolutely brilliant. The, the pace of the fight as well. They were both really going for it. But as you say, uh, Justin... Justin Gaethje, that's his game, and I don't think Johnson's game plan was to get into a firefight mm-hmm. like that in the pocket and just trade blows. But Gaethje's, like, you just don't know what he's going to throw, throw next. Like he mixes it up so well, he, he's 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 brilliant to watch. And um, I, like yeah, I, I picked I picked against him, uh, but obviously uh, um, uh, he he's very dangerous. And I think he I think we said it, and I think he said it himself as well uh, that. Uh, with his style, he's gonna end up getting knocked out. Oh, yeah. But he's uh, he he got dropped a couple of times by Johnson, but he just he's tough as nails. Even when he had no energy at the end, after he tried, he got, he was trying to climb up in the cage and he could barely get up there. It took him three attempts. You know, he poured everything into it, which he always does, and it's just great to watch. Like uh, somebody just really going balls to the wall to try and put the other guy away. And just putting his own safety at risk in the process. It, it reminded me as well of um, of Diaz against McGregor, where I, I said it earlier with the fight. You, you could literally see the fight changing. You could see the energy sapping out of Johnson. I was watching with Patrick live, and I was like, "Oh, Johnson's gone." <laughs> and he was like, "No, no, Gaethje's really tired. What? I know, no, Johnson is gone. Gaethje's gonna keep coming, and Johnson's gone." Like he threw one punch. I think it was a left hand at one stage, like to the body, and this bullshit about sign- every strike being a significant strikes. He he like he barely made an indentation on his glove. He hit him so soft. And I was like, "Oh, all his power is gone. This fight is over. Gaethje's gonna knock him out." And that was just like after Johnson almost knocking him out. It was just like you could see it. You it just turned. It was like the you know on, on video games where the where the energy is up and in goes and it's gone and you're like a tiny bit yeah. left and you're trying to survive. It's like and it's the original like, UFC game. It was terrible for that. You couldn't throw like eight strikes without being completely out of energy and you had to move away and try to recover. <laughs> Yeah, well, fair, like fair play to, to Johnson. Like, Gechi, see, the thing about it is, as you mentioned there, he's eventually going to get knocked out, but he's, he's in this holding up at the moment. And it's, I think he hits harder than Johnson, 
but Johnson hits more accurately at, at the same time. And his chin is better than him. But how long is that chin going to last? It can because he's taken, like, look at the amount of damage he took on that. Yeah. He took a good bit of damage. I, I, think, I think me and you've talked about this before on the podcast. Uh, Johnson is slightly below the, the, the top upper echelon of the division, in my opinion. Yeah. And, um, like I, I can't wait to see Gagey fight all, all, all the top the top guys in the division, but it's 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 not going to get it. It's like it, when you're beating guys like Michael Johnson in your debut, it's likely not going to get any easier in terms of uh, opponents, and, and unless he loses, so uh, the next couple of years with Justin Gagey is going to be serious fun. <laughs> I really, 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 really want to see the Tony Ferguson fight. That would be there. That'd be insane. They're basically the same fighter, like on the feet. Tony Ferguson likes to go to the ground a little bit more and go to be insane, but. I, I, I they might build him up a little bit more, like give him a yeah. name like Pettis, where they think maybe, or somebody that they think he that they might be able to beat, just to get him a bit more known with the fans. Because yeah, you know, a tough, a tough finale, right before a bigger card the next day. How many people actually watch that bar the hardcore fans? You know, there's so many options. So I see a lot of people talking Eddie Alvarez, and right, that could be an exception. That could be a fight of the year, but it also could be Pettis against Alvarez, where he tries to push him up against the fence. No, with Gaethje, he's Gaethje's a very good wrestler, a very, very, very good wrestler, and people forget that. So I'll take that into account. But still, I could still see Eddie Alvarez at least trying to do that. You know, I think it's a bad style matchup for Eddie. To be honest, I, I think that Gaethje, that that could be a good matchup to give um to give Gaethje to give him that top uh, uh the win over like a well known guy to the to the not outside of the casual yeah. fans. It definitely could be great. I think there's just so many better options. Like uh, that Ferguson fight, especially, be really good. I think the Habib fight would be really good. I'd love to see him trying to stop Habib uh, from from taking yeah. him down. Like uh, Edson Barboza fight would be unbelievable. Nate Diaz fight that'd be brilliant. Yeah. Dustin Diaz, uh, Diaz actually Nate like he always talks about how he wants somebody who, like both the Diaz brothers do about how they want to fight somebody who comes to fight. Like that's why deep down, like even though Nate Diaz says all the stuff about Connor or whatever, he he like definitely respects Connor because he comes to yeah. fight and he, he, he like you know the Diaz brothers don't want to be lay on by a wrestler they want somebody who's going to get in their face and throw punch at them even if they lose that's what they want to they want to they want that fight they like yeah. that could get Nate Diaz interested it's there's just so many options I think Dan Stubb said it like who's come into the UFC and there hasn't been anyone in a long time that has just kind of blown away fans, I suppose. Like, the strike first, Ronda Rousey, I suppose, was the biggest example I could think of. But, like, maybe from a less known promotion that a lot of people maybe don't watch. Uh, it's kind of different though because the Ronda example is kind of different because she was the, the division was basically in Strike Force and they, they yeah. didn't have the division in the UFC, so she didn't come in and beat like an already established guy in the in the or a girl in the division. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a different situation, but yeah, Justin Gaethje just he's just so good to watch and win or lose, he's going to be in great fights uh, for years to come. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's brilliant. Right, let's move on because we have so many more things to talk about. Bama at the weekend. Um, I know you didn't see all the cards, a lot of finish. I saw a good few of them. Let me just mention um, a couple. Uh, with Chris Schringer, obviously, we didn't see that fight. It was um, it was the swing boat. Uh, Steve Owens ended up losing. Um, SPG as well. Blaine O'Driscoll got a win. Uh, Aaron McGuire beat Dylan Logan. Decky Dalton got another good win. I didn't actually see that, but I heard his interview with Niall. It was a bit of controversy at the end, I believe, but a uh, good win there. Uh, ben Forsythe lost out again 
to Matt Klempner. Klempner, like he, he, he then throws. I saw like a Bamford posted a tweet over the video of the of the the slam before the, the finish of suplexes. He looked like if you're not a high level at judo, or you, it's very hard to deal with that. But um, he actually looked really good, Klempner. Ben Forsyth, that's three losses in a row. Yeah. Some people thought he lost the fight before that, that he got the decision as well. Um, it's a tough spot to come back from. Like, you know, it's, yeah. it, it, he's, not, he's not an old guy, so he has time. But and at, at higher weights, it seems like you're kind of the, old, the older you get, the better you get. Obviously, to a point. <laughs> but, uh, um, uh, yeah, um, it's you, a tough you interviewed, spot. You interviewed Ben before, and, and he's... Like every time I hear been been forced on interview, I I just think quite an intelligent guy. Like and what, like from everything I've heard, he puts in a a, a mammoth amount of work in the gym and everything. Not just on you know MMA, but physical as well and mental training. So just he's like he seems to be a good athlete. He puts in all the work, but they're just I don't know. He panics a little bit. Or and a fair play to him, he takes hard matchups as well. I think every most of the guys he's fought have always been good. Even back to when he fought Will Flory in the amateurs, I think. As you say, three fights in a row. There's just, I don't know. It, it's tough. Like he's in such a tough situation because he's obviously trying to improve an awful lot all the time, and then going into these matches, maybe, maybe something like taking eight or nine months off for him would be a great benefit. Getting all those improvements under your belt and going in, maybe with a little bit of an easier matchup, and then you know going yeah. back at it again, getting a win under your belt that you just need, something like that. Because as you said, it's a very precarious situation for him now. That you know, it's a very tough spot. He knows it himself. I think he he put up a Facebook status about it as well. But yeah, it, tough spot for him definitely. Yeah, for guy for for the heavier weights, especially in the UK and Ireland, there, there isn't that many of them. So I'm sure he's I'm sure he'll there'll be matchups for him. But maybe maybe um, a journeyman fighter that maybe has more losses than wins would be. Maybe not a very experienced guy, but um, it's 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 it, he think he needs to rebuild and take a as you say he's been taking hard fights, so he needs to take a slightly easier fight and um, or as you say taking a break, maybe not a bad idea as well. Uh, as we kind of talked about with Jacasey earlier, you, you don't really have time to put in as much work on adding tools to your game and tidying up the, your problems when you're constantly in camp and you're you're, you're trying to constantly fight every every three months or every every time bam or bellator come you want to be on that card maybe it's best to just say like philpot did and be like okay i'm gonna have to miss a card mm-hmm. here i'm gonna have to miss a card here just to get my head in the right place and get my skills uh improving and keep my skills improving and adding things to my field book it's a tough situation for any fighter when they're when they've lost a few in a row so um I think like yeah, he needs to he needs to, to to take a couple of easier fights and rebuild himself, or take a little bit of a break and try and try and uh, improve his game. Yeah, that segues on nicely to the next one, Kiefer Crosby, who I remember myself and Andrew talked about in the podcast, so probably probably a hundred episodes ago now that he'd lost a couple of amateur, and we were like saying, where does Kiefer Crosby go next? And now what he's he two three and three and zero, yeah, at, at uh, three and a professional looked very very good. I thought one via McGregor elbows, just his takedown defense has improved so much. Um, and and he's striking. Obviously, we know we yeah. know how good that is. He interviewed before, like for like for, for, these, for these strikers, as you say, he's a very good striker. It takes it takes a while. It takes years yeah, to get yeah. comfortable comfortable on the ground. Like if you panic in any way against a good grappler, you're, you're in big trouble. So it takes a while. This is why these, it's important to have. Uh, like good few amateur fights as we were saying last week maybe eight eight or ten amateur fights in order to to get comfortable in the whole nervousness of of, of fighting as well as 
not panicking in situations that when it does go against you if you if you get end up on your back in the first second of the fight you don't panic you just you just say cool like you know anderson silva against chael sonnen like you know every like everybody thought anderson had lost that fight but anderson was wasn't panicking yeah. and he ended up winning the fight you know yeah. obviously anderson's one of the best of all time it's a it's a different thing Kiefer's uh starting out his career but he, breaking he's, graham mcdonald calls Kiefer crosby the next anderson silva <laughs> put, put, put that in your status there Kiefer go on put, put it in your uh, Twitter bio the next Anderson <laughs> yeah so like uh, yeah it's good to it's good to work out the problems uh, in your game and to get comfortable in every aspect of, of fighting in front of crowds and being on the ground and being in bad situations and um, and then turn pro when you when you when you feel you've worked all that stuff out and he's done it brilliantly and he, he seems more confident than ever in himself in, in his personality and in his game so yeah, uh, it's 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 a really good situation for Kiefer to be in. Three and zero is a great record. Um, a couple more wins, Bellator might come coming. He maybe he's, he was saying in the interview with me that maybe he wants to go to the UFC. He's not that interested in Bellator, yeah. but you know if the money's right, the, the cheddar talks. It makes dollars. It makes sense. <laughs> exactly. Richard Kiley and Ian Pascoe got good wins as well. Um, Henry Felipe couldn't come back there. I actually didn't see that fight. I don't think you saw it either. Uh, I saw so, Felipe get the oh, end of the Felipe fight. Yeah, it was a huge uh, ground up and shot from um, Pasco to finish it. Um, yeah, uh, it, I kind of said last week. It's it's hard to know with Henry. Um, I I don't. I hadn't heard that he wasn't training or anything, but he's known to be a little bit not as dedicated as others to to his training, and it's it's. I could be wrong for this fight. Maybe he put in the best camp of his life, and just you, you get caught like in MMA. It's a, you make a little mistake, even if you don't make a mistake. The guy, yeah. the guy lands a big shot on the ground, ground. Like we see ground and pound shots like that thrown all the time, and yeah. sometimes they land on the perfect switch on the, on the chin, and you're you're out. And that's just that's just the how the reality of the game. And that's sometimes you're you're the hammer, sometimes you're the nail. Oh, I like that. Yeah, just on Richard Kiley as well, I mentioned there a second ago, he's calling himself the face of Bama, which is an absolutely brilliant gimmick that I love. So I yeah, keep that up. One more <laughs> I think it was a left hook or right Throwing hook. a head kick at the way At the way in, yeah. Fake, hashtag fake news. Throwing an armpit kick. There you go. R- right. Richie Smollin. Well, he landed an Reece armpit M- kick, but he threw a yeah, head kick. That, that's a good point. Uh, Reese McKee against Richie Smollin was a draw, which was it was apparently one of the best fights ever seen in Ireland. But then <laughs> was, What are you laughing at? Oh, just that people were going mad. Like I was just on the plane. We were delayed on the plane going over, and I yeah. was just, I was just getting tweets all over the place about how annoyed people were that they couldn't see this. And PT was tweeting, tweeting along, and people were just, people were livid because it just sounded like such a brilliant fight. What what actually happened? It wasn't even on Facebook or anything, was it? I went back um, and watched them. No, it, it got moved. It got moved from live to to tape delay for some reason. Apparently, I was on the I was on the plane on. Uh, waiting to take off, so yeah. uh, they I only showed really highlights in on Dave because I was watching on Dave and I went back and watched on Facebook. Oh, awful, yeah. So apparently, it was a brilliant fight. The bits they showed it looked unbelievable. Have that fight again, I say, so we can we can yeah, watch it. Went to a draw, so yeah, uh, they fought at amateur before, so uh, Smullen got the win, so um, yeah, run it back, rubber match, let's make fights. it happen. Two more fights, uh, Ryan Cortez as well unfortunately lost to Daniel Perez in what I thought was one of the most high-level fights I've ever seen on, on a Bama or Cage Warriors or local card here that uh, that have been over the last few years. I thought it was uh, very good. Like A little bit, little bit like the AKS as well, I still think Ryan Curtis is a very, very good fighter. This this 
obviously it's a setback to win, you know, uh, the, the last sorry after being undefeated. But Daniel Perez is a very, very good fighter as well. It was a 50 50 one, you know, it was what I think he lost 30 27. The first round was very close, but it was like the closest 30 27 you could see. I think Perez definitely won it. I'm not saying Curtis won, I think most people would agree with that, but I still like I thought Curtis showed some very good bits. Um, and it, you know, it was a it was a good fight, and I still think obviously on you know, Roddy Charge, he's gonna he still has a big future. Did you see that one? Or I actually didn't see it, but I, I, yeah, I, I was following on Twitter on the plane as well. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, Ryan is is a, is a he's a brilliant prospect, and as I, I kind of just repeat what I was a kind of shortened version of what I was saying earlier about Jacasey and about all these guys, Holloway, these young guys uh, don't rule these guys out. There's so much yeah. improvement to come. MMA. It's just it's 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 just it's di- very different to other sports in that way. Like it, it, three years ago, two years ago is like in two three years time that is just ancient history. Yeah, but like <laughs> for especially for young guys. Yeah, definitely. Um, your boy Fabian Edwards as well got a good win over Aaron Kennedy. He looked looked very very good again. Uh, obviously, he's one for the future. Paul Redmond got what the, what the Paul Redmond do? He pulled the leg leg off. That's uh, what Paul Redmond does. Leg lock. Mm. Leg lock. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. I just thought I thought it finished as well. Apparently, it was a very close fight. Maybe some people were saying that maybe Sinclair was edging it, and then out of nowhere, Reds are just—he's so dangerous. Like you, you make a tiny mistake, and you don't even need to make a mistake. He just gets under you, and he's just brilliant on the ground, especially at uh, leg locks and toe holes, and just generally getting at your leg and trying to rip it off. Yeah. There's like there's so many good fights there. If if Bellator signed Joe Duffy, I think they're good friends and they probably wouldn't do that, but I'd like to see that fight. That'd be good. Reds will probably give out to me now, so don't, please, don't eat me. There's, there's a lot of good fights like around lightweight. Peter Quilly, I know he's fought a lightweight before. That could happen. Uh, I know he's fighting. I, th- I think he signed with a Russian promotion now, so maybe not. But, you know, Norman, that Norman Park rematch is there again. I think that makes a lot of sense now, especially with Bellator coming, which we'll actually get to. No, we'll talk about that in a second. But, yeah, I think there are a lot of good fights for uh, for Paul Ribbons. Nice team getting back into winning ways as well. A good win against Rob Sinclair, who fought very well as well. But, yeah. Um, the main event then, Shea Walsh against Alan Philpott. I think this from the fights I've seen was Alan Philpott's best display. I thought he was very, very good. Thought he was good against Duke and Wazwell, who you know, everyone who listens to this podcast knows I rate an awful lot. Thought his hands were quick, he looked powerful, was hurting Shea Walsh all over and then it was just it was just a stupid mistake, you know. I think he admitted afterwards to Niall, you know, he it's it's a sickener because it you had him as good as finished. I think Phil. I think most people would agree that Phil Bat was just about to win the fight, and then he just made the stupid mistake. Like there was no malice in it. It was just a natural thing. If you haven't seen it, Shea, did he get knocked? But Shea Walsh was on the ground anyway, and he was just about to get back up, and Phil Bat threw a kick at him, hit him on the side of the head with a, a kick as he was on the ground, a hundred percent on the ground. There was no debate about it. You know, he was, it was an illegal kick to the knee, yeah. to the, to the head and it ended up a no contest. Yeah. In my opinion, it should have been disqualification. What do you think? Um, yeah, I, I, I assumed it was, it was going to be a disqualification because, um, he, he was down, but it, 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 as you say, I think it was accidental. So, um, I think, he, I think, he, I think he, he was, he, I think as fighters do, they try to time the, as people get up, like it, it's a very risky game. You're trying to time it as he's getting up, and um, it, it, it's it's just it's very risky. You're taking you're taking the the you're like if you're winning the fight, you're taking too big of a chance to throw it, and it was a it was silly to throw it. And um, I thought though, yeah, that um, you, you land an illegal strike that 
uh, if it did finish the fight, maybe Shea Walsh was already, uh, as you say, uh, I didn't see the full fight, but maybe he was already finished and he's already uh, on his way to being finished and um, that was just tipped him over the edge. But um, it's very unfortunate for Phil Pop. But at the same time, you know, as you say, people were raving about his performance before that. So there's a lot of positives to take from it. And he he got slightly lucky maybe in, he got slightly lucky in not having a lot of loss on his record and set a no contest. So, Hopefully, maybe maybe they'll run it back. Um, yeah, see, the, the thing about intention as well, I think he intended to kick Shea Walsh in the head, and I don't think he intended to kick a grounded Shea Walsh in the head. But yeah, I there he still did intend to kick him in the head. He didn't mean to intend to throw an illegal strike, but he did intend to throw. A yeah, head exactly. Strike. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He, he didn't mean to throw an illegal strike, but he meant to throw that kick, and he meant yeah. to throw that kick where he it, to the the height he threw it at. But he expected Shea Walsh to be in a different posture with his not both knees on the ground at the time, and it's very risky, as I said, throwing doing that, and it's, it was a ill advised move, and it's a tough lesson, but sometimes. You know, you just got to take it on the on the chin and make sure you don't do it again. And hopefully, you can you can get the fight again. Yeah, there's people giving Shea Walsh a bit of shit as well. I think Phil Pop might have even been doing it for saying he looked for the way out and stuff. I don't think he actually did. I think he wanted to fight on, but the you know the doctor came in and wouldn't let him in the referee as well, uh, which you have to be safe enough with. Like it was a grounded kick, and he was mm-hmm. like it was a bit. It was a little bit of a um, not as bad, but Matt Hamill, John Jones, you know, where he was already almost finished, and then. The elbows came and that just finished him off. Now, Shea yeah. Walsh, don't well, get no, me wrong, he wasn't. Yeah, Marhamo was beaten into the canvas yeah. before. Shea Walsh wasn't know. like that now. Shea Walsh was probably on his. He might, like, Shea Walsh could have lasted to the next round, you know, but he was. Yeah, Shea Walsh was ultra tough as well. Not yeah. that Marhamo isn't, but John Jones had put such a beat on him at that stage. Yeah. Just destroyed that, him. Yeah. Like, Phil Pot was on his way to a 10 8 round, probably. Like, but, he, you know, he was. He wasn't on the brink of finishing him, like, yeah. but he was definitely going towards finishing him. But yeah, it's hard for me to talk. To, I didn't see the full fight. I just saw the, yeah. the, the clip of the finish, and it didn't show the kind of afters where the ref stopped it or the doctor stopped it or sh- whatever happened. So, um, it's hard for me to kind of make a judgment either way. But these guys usually, even if they do get failed, they usually want to fight on, especially guys, game guys like Shea Walsh. So, uh, it's hard for me to say really without, without seeing it. November 10th. Bama Bellator in the Tree Arena in Dublin with James Gallagher going to fight some fucking pussy in the main <laughs> backyard. What do you think? I'm, I'm looking forward to now. Sign up Joe Duffy, get him on that card. Get Paul Daly on that card. Bring King Mo over again. Put a great card on for the Irish fans that deserve it. I'd, I'd love to see Duffy in on the card, but I, I, I still hope Duffy signs with the UFC because so, I think I think there's some really good matchups for him left in the UFC and I think he's just coming into his own in the UFC. As well, so um, in a way, I'd love to see. Like, I'd, I'd love, I love seeing good fighters, top level fighters fight live. But hopefully, he'll sign with, he'll get a contract offer that he thinks is uh, what he what he wants and is acceptable to him, and that he thinks he deserves, and stay with the UFC. Anthony Taylor was going through your boy Sean Sheehan last night looking for a fight. Found one, <laughs> found one with Paul Hughes. Found one with Decky uh, Decky Dalton. Found one with Nathan Kelly. Like literally, I'm literally the best matchmaker in the world. I've given this man four options already after he sent me one tweet. So there you go. I, I think that'd be fun. I said, um, Queely, uh, Peter Queely ch- chimed in as well. Said, you know, maybe a fighter like that who doesn't have a great record should be fighting in three arena. And then I go, that'd be a bit of crack. Give an Irish fella an opposite, uh, uh, you know, uh, um, a chance. And he basically said, yeah, it's true. So and I think, I think Anthony Taylor against, um, 
Paul Paul Hughes would be f- a brilliant fight. I think it is, Paul would use it just. Well, to I think that's a it. very nice matchup for Paul Hughes. Yeah, uh, uh, you'd absolutely annoy him. Yeah. yeah, so that'd be good. Who else? <laughs> you, <laughs> why do you hate Anthony Taylor so much? <laughs> <laughs> I like Anthony Taylor, and the second Anthony the Taylor. best mate, you do like that. You do. Great like man, that. great man. I'm. The, he said, "I'm the third most famous fighter in Ireland after James Gallagher and Conor McGregor." I love that. <laughs> Fucking brilliant, great man. Every fighter, I, I was expecting more people to get mad. Only four, like uh, someone texted or um, someone tweeted Redzer, and he he put Pato Wista as a name forward. So I'm sure a few more lads. If anyone's listening to the podcast, put your name forward, lads. He's, that man's looking for a fight at Chelsea and Bath. <laughs> me in it. I, I'll put you, I'll put you in contact with him. Right, we're definitely going to talk about that card more over the coming weeks. So let's move on to next week's card in Glasgow, and this is a, a pretty good card. First of all, Neil Seary against uh, Alexandre Pantoja. Neil Seary's obviously his retirement bout. Um, what, what, tell Pantoja us. is, is yeah. a very tough guy. Like, look at what Brandon, Brandon Moreno has been doing since since he lost on the show on the, the Ultimate Fighter show to Pantera, and he lost like it wasn't a blowout or anything, but he lost convincing. Like, I, there was no doubt in my mind who'd won the fight by the end, and. Pantoja is tough as nails. He's actually similar. He's actually similar to Neil Siri. They're actually similar enough. They're very hard nosed. Uh, I don't know that much about the, the background of Pantoja, but I'd say he's a. I'd say he's a tough note as well. Like you know, so uh, I expect this to be an absolute war. Um, I think Siri's obviously going to lay it on the line. Like you know, you got this is your last. This is your last go around. As long as uh, there's no. Um, there's no. Pull out in McCall style or anything like that, but I think even if there was, if there was a pull out, I think Siri would just go fuck this. I'm done. He, I don't think he can take it for much longer. He's a he's an angry man. <laughs> but um, you're, uh, you're calling I, Neil Siri a hard man. There, that man was at a fucking Coldplay concert the other day. How how hard? Well, you, how yeah, hard I, like I did. I, I actually, I, I remember. I think I messaged or rang Siri after one of his fights, and I got. I said, uh, "Oh, well done, whatever." I can't remember which fight it was, and I go, I, 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 then I watched the fight back, and I realized that he came out to co-play, and I texted him back on. Actually, I take it back. You <laughs> the worst band, <laughs> no bands are terrible when their first song is their undisputed best song. That that's a rule of mine. And Coldplay, that's the Coldplay. I'm, I'm not a fan of Coldplay, but I can I can appreciate that they're good at what they do, and I know they're why not, people like them. They're not good at what they do. I, I can Chris like Martin I, I understand they're hitting the, they're hitting the market. He does have talent. Come on. No, he it. doesn't. know. he. I, I'll tell you why. Look at his carpool karaoke with James Garden. James Garden is a better singer than him. What do you Look, what do you think his best song is then? What's what's yellow the yellow yellow? Yeah, I do as well. Actually, yeah. See, there you go. Um, and and a guy like a young lad held up a sign like two or three weeks ago I think it was in Germany or somewhere can I come on and play the piano to this song and then he brought him up and he allowed him and he was a better piano player than Chris Martin actually was so mm. he's no talent he's like Stephen Jared all over again <laughs> I feel very strong what, what did he do to you what did he do to you We'll have a wave of Coldplay supporters just sweet me abuse at Sean G and Bab. Yeah, I like on. the way he was able to able to take the piss out of himself on uh, Ricky Gervais extras. Uh, so that, uh, like I thought that was funny. So maybe uh, I don't know. I don't think he's. Uh, I definitely don't think he's talentless. I think he, I think he. I don't. I will be my style of music, but uh, I can appreciate that he's that he's good. It's. But I don't know bro, how we got onto this. Neil serious fucking end up <laughs> talking about fucking Coldplay on an MMA concert. <laughs> Okay, yeah. fucking bastard. Yeah, definitely, we'll talk about Siri more next week anyway. But a good fight for him, as you said. You know, two two absolute fucking dons, brilliant, brilliant yeah. fighters. Another thing, 
Yeah, another thing about Siri is, you know, he's one of them guys who prefer to lose a great fight than yeah. than win a shit fight. So I and think be genuine about it as well. Most people say that, yeah, and it's just bullshit. yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think I think this is going to deliver in terms of being a really good fight. So I think Siri will be happy to go out on this fight, uh, win or lose. Yeah, definitely. Charlie Ward as well is getting his second UFC go against uh, Galore Buff Anado. I went full the Todd there and that, but he Bufando, really needs yeah. Buffando. Yeah, I have no idea. He's not Sakurab anyway. Um, <laughs> Charlie <laughs> Ward really. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, the MMA. Charlie Ward really needs to win this one, doesn't he? If he loses this one, uh, I'd say it'll be it probably his last UFC fight. But um, what, yeah. what do you think? Yeah, uh, there could be another disqualification here if uh, your man Buffando is there. We're going to go, boy. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, Charlie, like. Uh, he, he he got cracked early early against a a, a fast starter and a and a hard hitter and um, you know he took some big shots and kept coming forward swinging like Charlie is hard as nails but uh, I think uh, he needs he needs to use his play to his strengths and um, you get the takedown and you know for years and years you hear from guys in SBG about how how good Charlie Ward is on top as a top grappler uh, top top heavy and ground and pound stuff so. It, if he can get a take, it, it, whoever whoever can get the game, the the fight into their into their realm, I think will win this. Um, it's it's a it's a good it's a good it's a good fight for for both of them, really. You know, it's it's I think it's a loser goes home, as you were saying. You know, probably going to be caught. Uh, the only thing that maybe would save would save Charlie is is Connor, but uh, it'd be it'd be hard to 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 what would he be? He'd be three and or he'd be four and two, would he? Or three and three. Yeah, what is he now at the moment? I'm not sure. Charlie Ward's in kind of he's in a privileged position, but he's also in a, like a, a tough position because he probably shouldn't have been in the UFC yet. But he's also a good fighter, and people, you know, people kind of won't acknowledge that about him. As you said, he got caught and beaten early. That can happen to a lot of people, definitely. Like. I I think if he was given five six more fights in Bama or, or something like he probably could have won four or five or six of them you know and got to the UFC either yeah. way he got there early but I still think he definitely has talent and he's a good fighter we've seen that in the past so yeah you know the, the guy that the guy that he got finished by before that um what's his name again uh, Al Hassan uh, he like he before that he had finished everybody in the first round really quickly and then you know he fought um his last fight was it was it was it again uh, was it like a made of. I think yeah. it was like you know that guy's fought people like Gunnar Nelson. He's fought like top level competition, and that was a razor close decision. Uh, got outlasted basically, yeah, just because he yeah. got out of the first round. So well. like you know, the, Charlie got a very tough draw in his in a uh, very first very tough matchup in his first fight um, in the UFC. This is a more favorable matchup, so it, it's a kind of a must win situation. Yeah, for Charlie. Stevie Ray against Paul Felder. Stevie Ray last fight of his uh, UFC contract against Paul Felder. I'll actually have an article out about the Scottish fighters on this card on, on uh, Sherdog during the week, so check that out. But uh, yeah, Stevie Ray, like this is this is an odd fight for me because I think Stevie Ray has improved an awful lot. That that uh, Lozon fight the last time, I thought he was very good. Paul Felder, he's a little a little bit stuck in the mud at times. Yeah, know, he's plateaued, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, plateaued. That's exactly. Yeah, he's kind of plateaued, but he's moved. Uh, Niall, I think, was talking to him, and he's moved to um, to Duke Rufus, which I'm not sure is the best actual gym for him because he's a guy that needs. Sometimes what change though is is, is yeah. good. Like even if it even if the gym it maybe it isn't as you're saying, I don't know about about that, but maybe the gym isn't ideal for them. But sometimes you just need a change of scenery. Maybe you know who knows what's going on in the background. Maybe getting away from his comfort zone is what he needs. Like it, 
it, it's hard to know. We'll, we'll, we'll find out. We'll find out pretty soon on, on Sunday, isn't it? Sunday card. Is this? So, uh, I, I think so. I, I might have just made that up. Let me, let me, let me check that before we put out Hold some on. fake news. Uh, 16th of July. Let me look at my thing here. Yeah, it's Sunday, isn't it? Sunday, okay. yeah, Sunday. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I think this one... It, I could see a fella catching him, but I, I think this has close decision written all over it, to be honest. Um, I think Stevie Ray might, might just like, make it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. As you say, Stevie Ray's been improving, and uh, it seems like Paul Felder is plateauing, or even like the Barbosa fight, even though he lost that, was probably the best fight of his, the most impressive performance to me that he, Paul Felder's had. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it's very, I'm very interested in this fight. It's, it's very hard to call. I'd, I'd usually go with with the with the kind of person on the rise, but um, in Stevie Ray, but it's a very tough one to call. But if I, like I had it going to my head, I'd probably go with Stevie Ray in this one. Yeah, uh, John Calderwood against Cynthia, um, Cynthia Casio, team Team Sheehan. I can can't say her name, but she is Team Sheehan. I'm a big fan of her. Only five and all. Todd Sheehan. Two fights in the UFC. Todd Sheehan. I, I like I I love the way I, I just took the absolute piss out of him for doing that and now I can't say anyone. Yeah, you can't say anybody's name. It's like that's, that's what it happened. If you hadn't taken the piss out of him, it would have been grand. That's what you did. You, you, the cooler, you put the cool on yourself. <laughs> Stevie <laughs> Ra, Ra, Rye, Stevie Rye, Paul Filder. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, Every fight John Calderwood has lost in her career has been by submission, and uh, Cavio has won her last two fights in the UFC by submission. So the, the stats are bullshit, but um, those are a couple of stats through <laughs> there. Uh, yeah, Joanna, or sorry, not, uh, Joanne has a way of um, when she loses, she seems to kind of blow it. It's kind of she nearly Travis hands Brown. it. She nearly hands it to her opponent. Mm-hmm. So um, she seems to be getting over that. So she seemed she seems to be improving, and I think the change of gyms was good for her. Um, so it, it, this is another really tough one because Cynthia, you know, she's early in her career, but she looks so good on the ground. Yeah, yeah. Her transitions, uh, like that back take was, was beautiful. It was like Henan Barrow and Michael McDonald. It was beautiful. I, I think Alvia is going to beat the brakes off her. Yeah, I think she'll probably wear naked choker if I had to if I had to pick. But you know, uh, John, uh, now you've got this infectious with <laughs> wrong name calling. <laughs> Jerry um, Calderwide. Yeah, Jojo, I think... Uh, I think she's going to be a lot bigger as well. Like that could that could play into it, but That's true. Um, uh, Cynthia just like when you're that good on the ground and that good at rear naked chokes, and you you can you can jump on somebody's back like that. It, it's going to be very difficult to, to to beat somebody like that. So she's undefeated as well, which gives her an extra air of confidence. I think I think from what I've heard over the years, I think JoJo can kind of get in her own head sometimes, and maybe um, uh, lacks a bit of confidence in herself in her ability and mm-hmm. uh, maybe she's gotten over that but mm, i don't think cynthia lacks any uh, confidence in her ability so i'd probably lean towards cynthia in this one but experience is is, is huge in mma as well like uh, if you look at pico and um freeman if you look at loads of fights you know even uh, ryan curtis at the weekend um experience can be like crafty little tiny little details can change fights so this is another very interesting one. There's some very hard to pick uh, matchups on this on this card. Yeah, this is this is her third UFC fight in like four months. 
she said, what, this is going to be her fifth fight in the last six, seven months as well, or, or a little bit yeah. more than that. That's a lot of fights when you're so young, and it's right of, of the USA as well, obviously going over to Scotland mm. for that. That's another thing you have to take into consideration. I don't remember taking her much, taking much damage, but yeah, as I was kind of saying earlier, well, you, it's more the prep. When, when, you're in a, when you're in a camp the whole time, you don't really have a chance to improve. So, mm, uh, 100%. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. With that. But it should be a good fight anyway. If, if it stays on the feet, I, I'm looking forward to seeing that because I think uh, Calvillo is good on the feet as well. And Jojo is obviously very, very good on the feet. If it goes to the ground, I think Calvillo has it. But yeah, I, I, fancy, uh, I fancy Cindy on that. But it should be a good fight. Then the main event Gunnar Nelson against uh, Argentina's Santiago Ponzinibbio, which uh, I, I watched a lot of tape on, on Ponzinibbio over the last couple of days. This is a good fight. This is a very, very good fight. Obviously, we know Gunnar Nelson, you know, takedowns. Um, unbelievable jiu-jitsu, great passing, good guillotine, rear naked choke. You know, we'll, we'll take an arm home if you're given the chance. We'll we'll take your head off. Good striking as well. No, you know, no hand wraps. Um, karate style, in and out, plays the long game, comes inside quickly and hits you and gets back out again. Ponzinibbio in very very different. <laughs> improving takedown defense but can be taken down what he's very good at is he gets taken down an awful lot but then he kind of pops right back up he's good at that fast hands hits very very hard gets inside you know tries to make take the fighting close the kind of polar opposite to Gunnar Nelson so it's an interesting matchup there uh how do you see it going yeah I think uh Ponzinibbio when he first came into the UC he definitely had a massive deficiency in uh takedown defense and uh, scrambling back to his feet or he's 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 improved so much since then. He's 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 always been a heavy hitter, but he, it, it's 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 much easier to throw your punches and your shots when you you trust your takedown defense. I think that's made him a much better fighter since he's improved his uh, takedown defense, and he's not uh, worried that every time somebody shoots, they're going to take him down. But I think Gunnar Nelson will 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 pick his moment uh, like he always does. He won't be, he won't rush anything, and he'll get the takedown. I think once he does. We haven't seen Ponzinibbio on the ground in a while. Maybe it's like a takedown defense and he's massively improved on the ground, but Gunnar Nelson is brilliant on the ground. So I see Gunnar finishing probably with a choke uh, on the ground. But, you know, a big heavy hitter like uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio is always dangerous. Um, and uh, is, I think it's a really good main event. I think the name value is lacking, but I think for an for an actual style matchup, and oh, an actual, yeah, it's actually going to be a really good fight. It's a, a yeah. really interesting one. Yeah, the thing about this one is... I, I find it's very very tough. I'm glad uh, I'm glad um, Ryan is doing the picks this week um, because I find, I find this one tough to pick because Ponzinibbio, as you say, he doesn't have the name, but he's a very very good fighter. Like I think, <laughs> in one way, he's a good matchup for Gunnar Nelson because I can think he can be taken down. And Gunnar Nelson, a lot of the, like if Gunnar Nelson could start every fight on the ground, with the exception of Damian Maya, you know he's winning. You know, uh, and I think. Getting lads down, obviously, is the tough bit for Gunnar Nelson in the past, but he, obviously he's been improving there as well. But I think Ponzinibbio, you can take him down. It's keeping him down that's the problem. But I think Gunnar Nelson has no problem in that area. Once he gets on top of you, you're not getting up. Or, you know, it'll probably be the bell taking you up, or it'll take a good while at least to get up. Um, so I, I see a big advantage for Gunnar Nelson there. But that striking early is going to be tough. Ponzinibbio, he does hit hard. Gunnar yeah. Nelson is going to have to keep that long, long distance. And he's good at doing that as well. He could frustrate Ponzinibbio. Could get a little bit tired, although he's good cardio as well, because he can keep up the pace. Yeah, this this is a fifty-fifty fight, really. I think I think Conor Nelson's underrated on the feet uh, as well. Yeah. I think um, I think he's better than people think. I think his kind of lackadaisical look on his <laughs> on his face and kind of bad hair that he has kind of 
um maybe <laughs> maybe that's it or maybe it's something else that maybe people kind of underestimate him on the ground like he's he's dropped some some really good guys really good strikers um in the past like joe ban and Brandon Thatch, maybe that win was a little bit better or seemed a little bit better at the time than, than mm-hmm. now. But um like Gunnar Gunner's always been a good striker. Um obviously when you're that good on the ground, people kinda assume that you're you're lacking in, in that area. And he has had some lackluster performances when when he has lost uh, Gunner. So if Gunner comes out and and gets his game going earlier, I, I, I think he'll win. I think he'll win. I think I I'd definitely pick Gunner here, but I wouldn't rule out San, uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio because uh, he's a heavy hitter. But I think um, Gunnar's a leader on the ground. Like, you know, um, people maybe remember him losing to Damian Maya on the ground, but that just showed how good. I don't think that was anything against Gunnar Nelson. That just showed how good Damian Maya is on the ground. Yeah, showed um, how good defensively Gunnar Nelson is as well, to be honest. Yeah, and he's like nobody reverses Damian Maya on the ground. And okay, he didn't have much success in the fight, uh, Gunnar Nelson, but he did have a couple of reversals and. Like nobody, people don't do that. To, well, Jake Shields did, but Jake Shields is another very, very, very yeah. top grappler. Did he reverse him on the ground? I did a little bit. I think yeah, he was on top of him for a while. That's he got quite dominated, like, and he got dominated in the first round by Maya. And I think yeah. then Maya got, used a lot of used a lot of uh, his energy and was kind of tired for the second and third it's round. Half, it's half three. I'm tired. I don't know. I have no idea. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. That's off the top of my head. That's off the top of my head as well. Yeah, and that's just, never happened in your mind. So yeah. remember, I wonder the people know that. Yeah, you were, we were talking Monday. It was like, oh yeah, that was like the Roy McDonald gunner or uh, Damian Maya fight. I was like, Roy McDonald fought Damian Maya. I was like, I, I went back then. I think I, I think I had like written an article about it or something or tweeted about it, and I like I I had no memory of it whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's hard. It's it's very hard to keep up. Like you know, back in the day, it used to be what once a month, once every three weeks to be a UFC. Now they're just like you know, two cards, two nights. Like it's it's very hard to keep up. I, I was trying to think of the Musasi Weidman fight there and the finishing. You know, there was like an illegally, and I I just couldn't think of it. I I have no idea what happened. I'd have to go back and look. I just. There's just so much information to go through your head that it's just uh, madness. Right, let's get to the questions. Um, first question, Mr. Podge. We mentioned it earlier. Is Aljamain Sterling getting screwed after the fight bro at 140? I don't know if this confirmed yet that it's actually... He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to sign yeah. that contract, so he's not getting screwed. It's up, it's up to him. He can try and negotiate for more money. That's probably what he's trying mm-hmm. to do. Maybe maybe if you don't give him money, he'll agree to it anyway. Or maybe he's within, he's within his rights because he hasn't signed the contract to fight at 140 or 145 so uh he won't be getting screwed it'll be his decision maybe he'll feel pressured into it but he shouldn't because they can't force you can't force him out to fight uh, yeah when he has no contract especially in mclean asks, is mcgregor getting screwed by the last leg of the world tour being on in london if you haven't heard um this is actually the wrong graphic here but the last leg of the tour is on in it's starting today tuesday uh, at nine o'clock, you watch it severemed.com, and then they're going to be going to um, Tor- Houston, I believe, Toronto, uh, New York, and then London. Lastly, I think no, they, they dropped one of the legs, so I don't. I think Houston is gone. All right, okay, fair enough. Yeah, sorry, I was that wrong graphics here, but yeah, uh, li- I, I maybe a little bit like it. Probably if it had started in London and then gone on to the other ones, then McGregor could have gone straight to Vegas from that. But you know, I don't think it makes that much of a difference. How, how are you looking forward to this? It should be fun. Yeah, it should be good crack. Like this is kind of like this is going to really start the hype. I think uh, there's obviously a lot of hype already, but this is going to kick things off even more. I think so. Uh, it's going to be it's probably going to dominate the the articles and the, the talk on social media for the next good while now. <laughs> this uh, for the week anyway, at least, and then you know uh, 
it's going to be interesting to see the dynamic between the two of them. And it's going to be interesting to see how uh, the mainstream media perceives the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to now. I think it's just going to be just going to be madness. I, I I think McGregor should throw a kick at the at the um, <laughs> at the press conference if they're if they're uh, if they're uh, facing down because he can't do it in the fight. Get would you want to? Would you want to jeopardize though the whole like, thing, the whole hundred million? Or Richard Kiley type of kick, where he doesn't actually kick him. You know, one of them. Probably not. Uh, I'm, 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 no, I don't think he'd do that. He's gonna do it. He's gonna do something mad. There's, he's gonna hit him with a chair. He's gonna wear a fur coat. Insanity is gonna ensue. Severemed.com. Watch it over there. Check it out. It's gonna be fun. Uh, okay. Next question. Da, 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 da. Um. Oh, uh, Elias Teodoro had. Did you see a Breaking Bad um, thing? People are a couple of people no, asked about that. Mister Podcast. It, it was funny. Uh, why WME as well? But Angela Hill, she had like a some Catwoman costume or some shit. I don't know some nerd. Oh yeah, I saw. I did see that. Yeah, I saw that. That she she posted a picture anyway on her Instagram, being like, "Oh, they wouldn't let me wear it, but here it is." Yeah, yeah, bit bit weird. Yeah, hey, you just um, let them have a bit of personality. Like they're gonna wear yeah. the Reebok here anyway. Come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nobler El Hefi Wally Fogmore asks about uh, the Todd Grisham. We've we've spoken a lot about him, so we leave that. Mister Podge asks about um, Dakar close uh, and about leg kicks winning fights. Yeah, I think leg kicks do do yeah. leg kicks can. You know, we've definitely talked about that. But leg kick, leg kicks definitely can win fights, and and that uh, that did. Um, El Hefi at Wally Fogmore could Justin Gaethje take that left hand shot? I think he's too open. Yeah, I think he's far too open. Um, but uh, like, like sign me up. Oh, I want to see it. <laughs> he needs. Yeah. He obviously needs a couple of wins. But like, uh, like, uh, I'm, like, I'm like, I watch any fight, every fight, every but every fight the UFC put on and every fight Bellator put on and all that. Usually, but uh, I'd be very, I'd be very excited to see Justin Gaethje fight pretty much anybody in the top fifteen. Never mind the top five. Yeah, uh, Andy Stevenson at Andy C one two three. Does this, Justin Gaethje have the time to become a draw that he needs for him to equal uh, to meet McGregor? Uh, no, uh, he, if he had all the time in the world, he'd never become the draw he needs to be to to meet McGregor. So, um, yeah, that's just not going to happen. Like McGregor is going to be the draw, and whoever he fights is going to be like the. They talk about the A side and B side. It'll be like the A side and like the the. the, the our side or something you know it's it's just so far away in, in terms of um drawing ability and maybe not quality i think that'll be an unbelievable fight. i definitely think mcgregor win that but um whoever it is it likes of habib obviously be a closer fight if habib can get back to his best tony ferguson barbosa and the likes of that so uh, yeah nakildea at nakildea asks now that there's none who do you think could be the next brazilian ufc champion Ooh, um Looking through the rankings here, with Edson Barbosa hanging around there at lightweight. Do we include an interim? Why, who, who Edson Barbosa would be much more likely if there's an interim. Mm, yeah, maybe. Yeah, Rafael Sansao is around there. Damian Maia obviously is fighting Tyron Woodley. I don't think he's going to beat him. Um, uh, Steve could fight. Who's Marlum? Obviously not after he lost Junior dos Santos, possibly. Uh, Claudia Gadelia, she's probably not getting another shot anytime soon. Jessica Andrade is not. Hmm. Anderson Silva, no. Jan- Jackre, yeah, it's it's tough, isn't it? It's. I suppose Damian Maya. If we had to pick one, I'd probably supposed to be Damian Maya because he's actually fighting for a title. But yeah, other than that, I can't. After looking at the rankings, there, I don't see anyone. So. Aston Sao maybe could could beat Cody with just by his 
just, I don't think he would, but three two one um, or something. He just has a way of just making everybody he fights look sh- absolutely shit at fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> asks, do you think uh, Grisham wasn't the first choice, and the UFC just couldn't get Morrow? I've no idea. I think I think oh, I don't know. I don't know Morrow. I don't really know. I haven't heard anything about this. This is a wild guess, but I, I, I'd say Morrow would probably prefer to be in the UFC if he had the choice. So yeah. I don't think. I don't think. Um, I don't think UFC wanted. I think if the, if if UFC wanted him, I think Morrow would have went. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I think he's a lot of mental health problems as well. The UFC is a tough road. You know, a lot of a lot yeah, of the schedule is, is is ridiculous. It's like joining a circus. <laughs> and I think they could be thinking about that. Like it might sound harsh or unfair, but you know, that's just the world, I suppose. Nick Lea, uh thoughts on the amazing DC versus Jones promo that air during UFC two thirteen. Did you see it? I actually didn't see it. No, oh, I tried to watch it on my phone, and I was in France, and I just was in like a bad three G area or something. I just wouldn't. It just wouldn't play. Yeah, just really, really good. Like Jack Dorges, obviously, he's a good actor and stuff. He's in a, he's in Humans. I wanted him. I think so. Oh dear. Maybe I'm I'm very bad. It's one of those nerd programs. Patrick loves it, but yeah, he he was even <laughs> talking about it. Um, <clears throat> that it's uh yeah very very well done. I thought it was good. You know, it kind of painted the whole picture. Cho- uh, it, the people were giving out. It didn't say about John Jones and you sad thing, but it, like showed him at the table crying and stuff. And yeah, I thought it was very good. So if you haven't seen it, it's on severe. Yeah, it, like when when a good, I haven't seen this promo, but a good promo is is so is so good. Like it really gets people into it. Like casual fans who are like they like MMA, but they're not a very fight that's like that that two minutes or that one minute or whatever length this is that that will pull them in so it's so important like it's so important to have a good promo i think a lot of shit promos get like you used to make a lot of shit promos and people pretend like they're good and then when a good one comes along it just shows what like i, I haven't seen this one but there's been good promos in the past like um like the henry one that dana pretended wasn't by the ufc um <laughs> before he fought Faber. That was brilliant. Um, there's other ones that are brilliant as well. Like, I think the Ronda Rousey one, one. The Ronda Rousey one wasn't good. I didn't think it wasn't not like wasn't that. not good. It was but good, but it wasn't. People, people were pretending like it was this brilliant like thing. This, it was like the fake story of like she saw judo on the TV. Like, oh, yeah, like what? Are you, what is that even? Like her mother was like a obsessed with judo, waking up in the middle of the night, <laughs> arm barring her and yeah. stuff. Like it's like what are they? What are they even talking about? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Gavin Springett, uh, Noblar as well as. Travis Brown to Beltor and asks, is there uh, Gavin Spring and asks, is this a coincidence Travis Brown's fighting career fell off the cliff when you said I got involved? Uh, I don't think so. I think oh, he, it's so hard to know. Like, uh, I think he always like, said I hate throwing guys on the bus like that. Like, you know, yeah. I think he always had a tendency to fuck things away. I don't think, he, like, you what difference is he sad? Some people just don't have the fight IQ to, to yeah. beat the top level guys. And then once, you, once you've lost a few in a row, your confidence is gone and you're, you're just a different fighter. Confidence is huge and so is momentum and belief. And belief is massive. Like, yeah. I agree. Um, mixed Madzi ads at Mixed Madzi ads as well. Good few questions this week. Fair play. I keep sending them in. Um, his first one here, now that Gaethje has arrived, he, he asked a question as well about how um, World Series fighting champions, obviously Branch and Morais, who got robbed, he says, and his fight have done well. And he asks, who do you think uh, Gaethje would struggle against in the lightweight division? Why? I, I was kind of discussing this with Pat Wyman earlier on. I think he'd do better than people think against, uh, um, sorry, uh, Tony Ferguson. But I think that'd be an even fight. I, I ne- you know, I'd nearly pick Gaethje in that one. I think that'd be a close one. I think he'd, I think Habib would beat him. I think uh, Alvarez would be a close fight. I think I've seen a Barboza beat him, but if he got into a war as well, that'd be that'd be a tough one. 
I think he beat Kevin Lee. I think he beats a lot of those guys. I think Michael Johnson was was a tough matchup for him, even though he's a little bit below some of them. But yeah, oh, yeah, like, it's not an easy. It wasn't an easy debut at all for in the UFC no. for Gaethje. Like it, a lot of fighters, like talk about UFC nerves and all that. So he, he has a lot of experience in five round fights and in headlining events, but it's a, it's a different kettle of fish. Like the World Series of Fighting, like or the professional fight league now. Like it's 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 nowhere near the same buzz as uh, like. As you see, like a lot of my friends or a lot of people that are fans that we talk to on Twitter, like they they, they don't watch World Series of Fighting, like no matter who's fighting in there. I don't you know? even watch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, you don't even watch it. So uh, a lot of people introduce them to the first time and they're probably like, well, where the fuck has this guy been? <laughs> I've never seen this guy before. Yeah. Uh, same guy again, mixed, mixed, Madzi, Adzi. If Connor and Floyd box a hundred times, how many does uh, Connor win? Oh, I don't know. Um, Two hundred times. Like the, uh, uh, I always have a, a problem with the laws of probability because every every time they fight, it goes back to it resets. Or every time they uh, like a, a fight or a bout happens, it resets. And the past, like, yeah. you flip a coin a hundred times. If it lands That's on, prologue. you know, it's yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Uh, how much? No, we won't answer that one. Uh, oh, yes. Good question from Andy Stevenson. What's the crack with Verdum and other ties to the Chechen dictator Kadyrov? Dangerous Pat. Yeah, this is bad. Like, he's we've seen a lot of things about Kadyrov. Obviously, this isn't a politics podcast, but it, it goes in whenever. Yeah. Follow. Um, it's hard to call people like that out there and not call not call out uh, certain other presidents uh, of the past who, <laughs> who are, who are um, lauded as great guys that have killed millions of people and been that not called true. out on it. And people are delighted to shake their hands and nobody says a word. So it's I think it's hypocritical to, to call out. Uh, I don't know what the situation is, but if you're going to call out Verdum, you got I think you got to call out a lot of people. Yeah, I think this Katarov guy, anyway, on a separate point, is definitely a scumbag, and I. If I was Verdum, I definitely wouldn't be wanting to be involved with him or anything like that. You know, I'll, you can read Kareem Zidane, obviously, as I said, has, has lots of articles on Bloody Elbow. Uh, it wouldn't be for me to explain about it now, but he's like uh, gay people and stuff in, in Chechnya. He's treated them very badly. Had people locked up and all things like that and uh, journalists and things as well. So, yeah, like Verdum, I wouldn't be wanting to align myself with him. Definitely. Yeah. So um, I definitely wouldn't do it personally. But, um, yeah, as I said, you're not going to call everybody out then. You, it's, it's tough to just call Verdum out. Yeah. Uh, a couple of questions there from Brendan Corn, Kieran Seblin, and stuff. We we kind of touched on a lot of them earlier on. Uh, <laughs> Nick Aldea, is Luke Thomas the most underrated MMA reporter outside of the severe lads? What do you think? Is he a reporter? Is he a reporter? He's more of a personality. Yeah, he's more of a like uh yeah, um yeah. I think um like <laughs> I, I I I like Luke, but uh, I think um so the way he's he's so sure about stuff that is wrong sometimes uh can get on people's nerves but in fairness you know he sticks to his convictions and he like he doesn't back down and like he, you know I, I, you gotta respect that at the same, I, I respect that at the same time and i i like i lo- i watch and listen to a lot of his content like i don't get to listen to i don't have serious exam or whatever but when he does a live chat i'll listen to it when he's on the maybe i'll listen to it and he, he does great work and he's he's very dedicated he put he releases a lot a lot of content yeah. um so yeah, I think Luke is. I think I think people, the, the MA fans that I've seen and like whatever online and social media and Reddit and all that stuff, they seem to really like Luke Thomas. So yeah, I, don't I don't think he's underrated. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I think I he's, think he's really, rated highly, and he should be rated highly. Obviously, like 
okay i as i said earlier i don't exactly agree with everything he says but like i don't agree with exactly anybody i don't agree exactly with anybody in like the world in anything so or in everything so yeah I'm gonna be. I think I'm the most underrated MMA journalist in in the world. He said outside of the. Table, yeah, but, <laughs> I'm gonna say uh, for this one, though, Patrick Oyman definitely. I think Patrick Oyman is the best of anyone in the world. I think he's the best takes, best analysis of anyone. I think he's just phenomenal, and obviously he does a lot of history work. So I think he, he lectures at the college, and he's a huge history podcast as well. So he just doesn't have the time to do it anymore. But he writes for, uh, I believe, the Washington Post and Deadspin. Mm. But I think Ariel's the best. But I think for me, yeah, Patrick Oyman. Oh, but I mean, like, I always see the difference between like Ariel's obviously the best reporter, gets out all the stories and all like that, interviews and things like that. But like, I interviews are obviously brilliant as well, though. I, I like I class the, these things very differently. Like, obviously, if you're saying reporter, 100% Ariel, you know, who is the best interviews, not definitely Ariel. But if you're saying like who covers the sport best from like a technical standpoint or like talking points about the sport, I definitely think Patrick Wyman is the, for me. Yeah, I mean, it, is yeah. he doesn't do the and on Twitter MMA podcast anymore. It's a shame because the, when he when him and Mike Fagan were doing that, it was it was my favorite MMA podcast. Like it was really really good. So tweet them two lads, get them back doing it again because it was really great. But um, yeah, Patrick Wyman, I have a man crush on Patrick Wyman because he's so good. He's brilliant. And people are always accusing <laughs> me of stealing stuff. Oh, Patrick Wyman said that. I'm like, yeah, because he made sense, and I try to make sense as well, you know. So mm. don't, don't think that happens. Yeah, I've heard. I've seen people tweet that. Oh, you only said that because this person said it, and then I'll be like, we actually recorded this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. Remember we recorded a podcast? Was it? Which was it called? Yeah, I think it was last week, and um, I was going up to Dublin like the next day before you posted it, and I was like, "Listen, Patrick, you put on on the car, put on heavy hands," and like the lad said the exact <laughs> the exact same thing as I had said. Basically, I was like, "Oh fuck it, everyone's yeah. gonna think I just copied." You know, so some takes are like you know they're they're obvious. Like you know, I I, I saw somebody commenting, "Oh, you think uh, Nunes is going to win early, or you think it's <laughs> late?" It's like, well, yeah. if, if if it's like you know, if it's did you see my reply? A lot that? of people are saying it. Then it, you know, maybe you just think that that's probably the most likely outcome. Like, not that yeah. everybody's copying everybody. Yeah, a couple of I'm on Facebook here. Andrew Spellman asks, "Who do you think is next for uh, Marty Casey?" Hmm. Um I think Lozan lost in his last fight, maybe that. Um I don't know, Lozan. I I wouldn't do that to Lozan. yeah. Jim Miller. Yeah, Jim Miller actually, that'd be a good one, yeah. Mm. It's, it's, it's like a, he's a tough, tough guy and but I think maybe the the U C might Drop back a bit uh, in the in the the speed of the rise of of Jacasey now, and maybe giving somebody a little uh, a little easier. Yeah, uh, Gary. Dyer I know Jim Miller's not not at the top of his game, any uh, that he's not at the top of his game anymore. But he's still, you know, you, you don't want you don't want Jim Miller either to be put in as a cannon fodder for for up and coming guys either. Yeah, Gary Doyle emailed us via podcast at gmail dot com. Um, he he asked, do we think that McGregor? has something in his contract with the UFC that allowed him to fight the Floyd fight that he has to come back and fight with the UFC again? No, no. We got asked this every week since it's yeah, been uh, I think he probably does have that, but no, I don't you can't. It... You can't. If you're tired, it can't force you into a cage. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think he probably oh, sorry, has, uh, you know, that he can't fight another boxing fight again. He has to come back and fight him if he wants to fight next. But I don't think, like, if he wants to say, he just wants, you know, doing it. Yeah. Okay. Here's a hilarious question here from Tom O'Brien. We've about two more to go. Uh, is it unfair to... St- <laughs> This is funny. It's unfair that people slag off Romero for homophobic remarks when he was just trying to tell us about MMA's savior, Justin <laughs> Gay Jesus. <laughs> no for Gay Jesus. 
No, no for Justin Gay, Jesus. Yes, yes. Stuart Hayes asked, please start Severe Mail Podcast with a Stormzy impression. To that I said, oh, shut that was... up. Poor Lukaku. That was hilarious, though. Did you see my Eminem thing? Oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah, was, yeah. I like that. Rich at high underscore light is chili a soup. Is what? Is chili a soup. Um, Is chili a soup? Yeah, do you know that chili no. stuff we have in America? We don't really have that here. No, it's not. Oh, I didn't even know. No. What about your man, Matt Roth? He calls, um, he calls everything a sandwich. He thinks a hot dog is a sandwich. It's like, what the fuck? I hate uh, Americans. You yeah. Can't help some people. <laughs> do, you know, do you know the way some people call burgers? It's like you, it's like you and Tato's. Like, you're just wrong. It's Tato's. Like, it's fucking <laughs> you're just before wrong. We go, before we go, actually, what about Gagar Musasi signing for Bellator? Do you think it's a good move for him? Um... Uh, it's a tough one. It's a tough yeah. one. Um, if the money, if it's right for him, it's right for him. Yeah. If the money, I, the money must have been right, and the sponsors he can get, yeah. you know. I, I, I thought he'd resign, but uh, it does make sense at the same time. Like it's funny in MMA because people, I think for a long time, Gegard Musasi was one of the most underrated fighters in MMA. Like he was a reaper, just not giving yeah. him, you know. I and think, now he's, and I, now think he's was, I think what happened is <laughs> he's the best uh, he, in the was, world. he was overrated, and then he fought Keith Jardine to a draw when Keith Jardine was on the way down. And then people were, uh, I think a lot of fans were thinking, ah, oh, well, like, you know, he can't cut it in the UFC. But that was just, you know, he deserved to win that fight, in my opinion. Um, the one was a draw. And um, I think I think uh, he de- he then became underrated, and then he again became overrated, as you were saying. <laughs> so yeah, he's been up and down in the overrated scale. <laughs> Farrell Connolly asked a question there: Do you think anyone at middleweight or light heavyweight in in uh, Bellator will give Musasi a, a competitive fight? I think there's yes. loads of lads, like obviously, yeah. especially at light heavyweight. Yeah, like Phil Davis said, like that'd be a good fight. I think, well, maybe not a good fight, but I think Phil Davis would give him a hard time. I think Ryan Bader probably beat him. Yeah, yeah. I think Chil Sonnen would be a good fight as well. I think I'd probably pick Musashi for that. Um, Rory McDonald if he came up there as well. Tito, I think he'd beat Tito. Yeah. No, I think he would, but there's, there's yeah. loads of matchups there. It's so like you know, he, he loads of fresh matchup, fresh matchups for him. Yeah, Gegard against fucking Rory McDonald. Put that on in Dublin. Give us that. And I think they're working towards Chael and Rory, there, aren't they? According to Chael, anyway, so it's pretty bullshit. Something happened on the MMA or they actually fucking missed it because we were having a barbecue. But I think I think Chael was on it, or there, I saw a clip anyway or something. But um, yeah, that's it. Anything else, Graham? Before we uh, before we split, um, yeah, uh, Swan Humes will have a uh, article breaking down Gunnar Nelson and uh, two different articles actually. One breaking down or both breaking down the Gunnar Nelson Santiago Santiago Ponzinibbio main event of London. At least I have an excuse. I've been on the fucking rag or on the piss for the <laughs> last few days without any sleep. <laughs> Please don't cut that out. Please leave that in. Yeah, fuck it. I'll leave it in. Why not? These <laughs> things happen sometimes oh, yeah. in MMA. <laughs> they do. They do. What is it? Severemed.com forward slash merchandise. Yeah. Get cups. Fucking golf balls. A baseball jersey is a pizza column. I don't know. I don't know what the young lad said. He's as beanie caps, the whole fucking shebang. Go over there, support us. They're not that dear. Yeah. Buy stuff. You'll get stuff. There's some um, there's also some uh, some some big news kind of already announced by somebody or uh, maybe I shouldn't say it actually, <laughs> but people, people if, if if you know, you know. F- here I'll do I'll I'll give, I'll give a, hint a hint. His name fucking is- say it. <laughs> First name is Connor and his second name is McGregor. 
Did you understand what <laughs> So you... if you can't work it out, then um, I can't really say because uh, I, I'm not allowed to say, but if you know, then you know. If you're if you if you're a big fan of Serena May, you'll know what I'm talking about. Whatever could be you be talking about? Could be could be something very notorious. Uh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was trying to give it like another clue there. Uh, did you see the uh you no, don't give any more clues, it makes it obvious. It's already unbelievably obvious from what I just did said. You, did, you, did you see <laughs> the uh the Universal Championship was uh um defended last night by Brock Lesnar at a WWE Red Balls of Fire? Did you watch you get that? Oh, I'm not 11 years old. I don't watch pro wrestling. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, on that note. I'm half the fans just, uh, <laughs> just hate me now. What about Lukaku? What do you think? Is he a good sign-up for Man United? Um, I think he'll, he'll be all right, but I, 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 not, he's not ideal, I don't think, no. I, like, I was thinking, he's not going to suit our style of play, but we're obviously going to have to change our style of play, so I'm kind of looking forward to that. That should be fun. But uh, yeah, I need a few more sign-ins as well. But I, I, we needed someone. I'm kind of glad he's a he's a goal scorer. Like the thing about it is, people say he doesn't score against the big teams. But Jose Mourinho sets up so defensively against the big teams that we don't really need someone to score against the big teams. We need and the best to players are ahead teams. of him as well, and he is improving all the time, Lukaku as well. So I wouldn't rule him out. But I think um, it could, he could get off to a shaky start if he doesn't score in his first couple of games. It could go very pear shaped very quickly. Yeah. All right. Quarter of the week. This this can be a quote for Romelu Lukaku as well. Here we go. Turn your cans into cans and your dreams into plans. See you next Tuesday or maybe Monday.